0: Welcome back to Dev Dive episode 16. As always, I'm your host, Nighthawk, and our guest today is
1: Spooks, a long-standing leader in the YouTube editing industry. Welcome to the show, Spooks. Thank you for having me on. Uh, again, I am a titan of the industry. I cannot stress that enough.
0: This may um, have been our uh, third attempt at getting this intro show right.
1: <laughs> but it's important that we get the terms right, because I am who I am, and I'm yeah. just, I'm a leader, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, And and I think everyone
0: pretty much everyone in the world knows who you are, but absolutely I would just just in case that there's anyone out there who like lives under a rock for example
2: yeah
1: (laughs) would you you? yeah if you don't happen to know who I am I am a YouTube editor I've been editing just game gaming videos I would say specifically for about as a job for the past six years um, but personally probably about ten years I've been doing content creation. Um. Yeah, that's the only reason Nighthawk has me on. Truly. Yeah. yeah. Um. So the
0: the way I came into contact with Spooks was a very 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 long time ago, six or so years ago. Uh, I was I am still am, but I was an average Redditor, and I subscribed to the League of Legends <laughs> subreddit. And Spooks Not would put day. out Spooks would put out really cool montages. He would do like, and for the time, remember this was like 2014 or something. Editing yeah, at that okay. time was like. It was like a donkey video.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Kiori. There was Kiori. There was Kiori. Um, There was the only other people making montages that I remember were, um, I actually, I don't remember when there was Dark Tongo. There was Mm -hmm. Dat Jellyfish who were like the two biggest. And then there's also my boys, um, Zach. He was a very big editor. Uh, Nice Guy Smile. And Shake Drizzle. Those are like the four big ones that I remember from that period that were actually creating montages and creating content, and then there was also Nice Try Ian. He came in a bit later and then just kind of blew everybody out of the water. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll talk. We can he, talk um, about him
0: a little later. He's um, dude, he's, he's actually I, I met him at Ian. TwitchCon in 2017. He, he's crazy. I,
1: we we met him I think the same year. I think that was when we both met him. And dude, I love Ian so much. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, truly, one of the best editors that I've ever met. And uh, yeah, man. It's been crazy, you know. We came from the exact same community, and we, we used to talk to each other very briefly in the beginning. Um, and just kind of, I feel like we both just watched each other grow as editors. It was really cool. Um, I think he's partly the reason why I have a job at TSM. So shout out to Ian, <laughs> that's my boy.
0: Yeah. Um, oh that's man, my boy. Okay, well we'll just talk um, about him now because we're already talking about him. He works yeah, yeah, yeah. for. He works for TSM as well now too, right? Because he used to work for uh, he.
1: Well, I don't know if he. I don't think he works for TSM. Not right directly. Now. He. Yeah, he worked with Doublelift, uh, but then you know Doublelift eventually changed. But now he's back on TSM. So yeah, mm-hmm. I guess he technically does. Um, but yeah, he uh he stuck with Doublelift, but um for a while he was doing kind of what I do for TSM right now, which was like making montages for them, um but also working specifically with players. Um, and that's what I've been doing for about the past three years. Is yeah mostly managing player channels so like taking uh vods from their stream cutting them down into games uploading them getting the thumbnails made just kind of doing everything on the youtube side
0: yeah and there's a lot of work that goes into managing a channel that really the average viewer probably doesn't know about um i Absolutely. i only very tenuously know about it just because i i do a little bit of youtubing there's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of like tag management. Um once you get to the monetization side, there's a lot of working with that. Um there's Man, a lot of crazy stuff.
1: Yeah, it goes so beyond just creating the content. I would say honestly, the hardest part about my job right now is just figuring out what I'm gonna call the videos. Um <laughs> Like literally the the title and thumbnail, um, thank God I'm not in charge of making the thumbnails. Uh we have an amazing thumbnail artist, um uh Nako. And he does, like, pretty much exactly what I tell him, like, my idea, and he just kind of makes something sick out of it. Like, I just give him, like, a general idea, and he makes something awesome. But, uh, like, just getting to that point of knowing what, you know, how you want to present the video, um, you know, not trying to be too clickbait because you're managing someone else's brand. Um, it's, <sighs> that it's truly the hardest part is just branding the videos themselves. Creating the content is very easy for me. Specifically, you know, I've been doing it for so long, but wow, I struggle with the managing part sometimes. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And I think that's that's um getting down to it. That's like the part that everyone's scared of too. Like if you're a content creator, it's not that hard to go through your Twitch bot and say, like, hey, I wanna take this game and put it on YouTube if you're not doing any editing. But going through and and making a good title, make tagging it correctly, making sure that the thumbnail is not gonna turn people off, that kind of stuff. That's just the stuff that's just it's, it's
1: terrifying for the for a non experienced person. And and the scene is constantly evolving, and what works is, like, what worked four months ago doesn't really work anymore on YouTube. It's, like, you find trends, and you try and stick to them, but certain trends only really work for certain people, and certain, I, I don't know, man, it's it's a brain bust every yeah. week, every day, you know, but um, it's also the fun of it, because when it does work, and you get one that hits, it's, like, the most rewarding feeling, like, 100%. Yeah. Um, um, the most we- rewarding part of my job is like having an idea. Um right now I work with Myth and I coordinated with him on some specific ideas like uh uh <laughs> he did a video a few months ago where he went into a Fortnite lobby and he acted as a robot. Uh he did like a robot voice and he just tricked this kid into thinking he was a robot and so many people loved it. I really loved making it and I really wanted him to do a second one for a long time. I finally uh you know, we had a conversation about it and he went and recorded it. And it's truly like my favorite video that we've made in probably the past year. And it performed so well immediately. Just, you know, and that feeling of knowing that that idea was there and, you know, executing on it, it's like, it's the best feeling seeing like the numbers, you know, you have actual numbers in front of you, showing you how you're doing and man. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. I want to talk about, it's um, a double edged sword though. <laughs> sure. I want to talk about the <laughs> analytics later. Cause I, Analytics yeah. is something that fascinates me. We had uh, Blastoise on the show last week, and he's a data scientist, and we didn't talk mm. too much about like analyzing data and stuff like that because I don't think he knows too much about the like the YouTube side. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's just so much science that goes down into like figuring out that kind of thing. But first, okay, yeah, rewinding okay. a little bit, um, absolutely. <laughs> this isn't actually your first podcast that you've been on. You actually had a show. For a few episodes um, called The Mid-Roll.
1: Yes. A very (laughs) short period that I made a podcast with my good friend Dan, uh, also known as Renata. He's another editor, and our intention when starting that podcast was to talk about editing and the editing community. And um, we did that for, like, the first two episodes, I think. (laughs) And then after that, we just started kind of getting together and talking about just bullshit um it was really fun we uh i it's something that i genuinely do miss doing um but at the same time i think both of us just literally had no idea what it was going to turn it like i didn't expect to get more than maybe a hundred listeners on that and i think some of the episodes all have like a few a thousand or, or more and honestly that in itself was pretty overwhelming for me just like trying to create something that i had no idea we were going where we were going with it um i'd like to do it again though it, it's fun to just get together with your friends and kind of bullshit around like that but you know once we realized that we didn't have much to say <laughs> on the editing community past the first few episodes it was like oh okay well what's really the point of this podcast um i mean you ripped there's some fat only so vapes much. we did rip some fat vapes <laughs> and we talk about fat vapes and i'm I regret how much I talk about vaping on that podcast because I don't vape. I like it's not ever been a serious part of my life, but man, would you think it is? It like I, I did that to myself though. That's all on me.
0: Do you ever go back and listen to the sh- uh any of the episodes? I
1: I haven't. I should though. You should. I, I'm still. I'm, I think I'm still paying for the SoundCloud Pro subscription. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> it's just been like charging my account every month. I need to wait. Does
0: SoundCloud that. have a, a monetization service? Can you earn money from SoundCloud? It's
1: like, I don't think you can. I maybe you can, but honestly, what I had to do was just to post the amount of content we were trying to post on SoundCloud. You need to pay. Um, there's like a certain they have like a just a certain I think amount of minutes that you can post on your profile, and uh, we exceeded that pretty quick. So
0: yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this was a thing back when you because this was like 2017, 2018
1: you were doing it yeah um yeah, 2018 i think
0: but we actually use a service called anchor for ours and it's completely free mm-hmm. and you just upload a, a thing and it distributes it to all the platforms so we can, we're on like itunes see, that's spotify that's the
1: best way to do it doesn't charge <laughs> oh, me anything. Okay, hell yeah that's actually amazing yeah, yeah see like awesome. that's that's the way to do it we um our approach was definitely the just kind of just go at it we just knew what we knew and Honestly, my favorite part of that podcast though was after every week we would send the dumbest part of the podcast to our friend Ray, and she would make us like a cover art for it. So like one was like selling feet pics online, so she just drew us up like a really great sketch of Dan's foot, and I just I love that, and I I cherish stuff like that, you know. You always you always remember Dan's foot. I will for the rest of my life.
0: All right, so I want somebody to make a clip of this part of the show and send that to Dan. <laughs> so
1: so tell me about what you've been doing for the past few years. So, I mean, editing, mostly. <laughs> uh, honestly, my life has been uh, majority just kind of doing my job, um, which is something that I've been trying to correct a bit, you know, actually having a life outside of editing which i think is important that a lot of editors don't really do myself included i'm not throwing any shade i just know that that's the truth none of us really have lives outside of this so um i've been really attempting to branch out outside of that but talking about editing um i've been working with tsm for the past three years uh they are my primary client i don't really do anything else right now other than work with them but for a while, I mean, you know, I had a brief stint of working with offline TV for a few months. Um, and then before that, I did stuff with a few companies like Cloud9. Um, I don't know how far back I should go. Well, you were just asking about the past few years. Just, I'm just, just kind the of last couple. I mean, of it thing. doesn't really matter. I'm not going to be like, oh, man, yeah.
0: three years <laughs> <got> cut off.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it's really just been TSM. Um, and... Right now, what I do for them is I'll do the occasional... uh, Right now, I do a lot of guides. So, um, like Apex Legends, Rainbow Six Siege, I've been doing guides for those games, um, which take a lot of, you know, editing time. And they're big projects, but I really enjoy doing them. They're working with, like, multiple people within the team. And, you know, um, it's been a great experience trying to do, like, more developed content past just like stream highlights Mm -hmm. um but that is the majority of my job is stream highlights and right now i work with uh myth primarily um and before uh hamlin's you know he kind of hasn't been streaming really but i was also working with hamlin's and managing his channel um so those were my two focuses essentially for the past two two years really
0: yeah And we'll talk about this a bit later, but I did want to bring up the like you were talking about the work life balance that not just editors, Mm -hmm. but a lot of a lot of young people in this sort of industry struggle with a lot these days. It's sort of just like, hey, I want to work on this, so I'm going to devote my entire life to it. And that's like that's a
1: philosophy that so many people
0: have and it's dangerous, but it's
1: it it is. And I mean, I had that philosophy probably up until the past year, maybe past two years, and (laughs) it was damaging on me, like for sure um but you know learning from that I, I definitely don't regret how much time and effort I've put into editing because I'm so happy with where I am now but I have regrets about not having a social life for the first you know <laughs> my early 20s and stuff I mean still in my early 20s but my early early 20s you know just spending it all on editing and uh you know I think it's important for a lot of because a lot of editors are still teenagers to just mm-hmm. kind of consider that moving forward. I think it's, I know it's entirely possible to have a healthy work balance and have a life while doing editing and e- succeeding and excelling. And you really don't need to just devote your entire life to it. Yeah. You really don't. And there's, there's one last point on this, this icebreaker talk that I want to make.
0: And I wrote this down cause I didn't want to forget it. Um, Mm. You main the champion Lee Sin in League of Legends (laughs) when you do play League, because there there are times where you don't play League. Um, Uh And several people have commented on your performance on one of his abilities. Uh, I think Uh it's the the Q Resonating Strike and Sonic Wave or something similar.
1: I believe that's the ability,
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. um, So yeah, I just wanted to see how would you rate your performance (sighs) on that champion with that specific ability?
1: I'm gonna say Nighthawk. It's kind of fucked up for you to ask me to rate my own ability. Um, that's I. Well, this is a, this is a thing. performance review. So I want. Here's the thing, Nighthawk. I know I haven't I haven't landed many cues in my days. All right, I enjoy the champion. Okay, he. I'm not good. I'm not good at landing the cues. I will admit that. That is that is me. I will embrace it. I have never. It's never been a strong suit of mine, Nighthawk. I will, I will fully concede that. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I honestly, that shit was one of my favorite things of like being in like the Yordles community and shit. Just like, I remember uh, so many like, <laughs> I remember getting videos of people missing Lee Sin cues, and the title was like, I'm spooks. And like, I don't get it, man. I missed like a few Really important ones, but a few. So I don't know. It's just I've I've getting getting (laughs) that that stance where you're like that's that's what you're
0: known for in a certain community. You're like, oh, I'm I'm the misser guy. That
1: and the that and the upside down gravity logo. Yeah, the upside down gravity logo. And if people don't know what that is, I made like a a a video on the series between Cloud Nine or a video on like. Cloud9's Gauntlet run back in the day where they just, like, had this crazy run through the series and made a huge comeback. And I did one about the <laughs> their games versus Gravity, and I swear I found it on Google. I did not rotate the logo, but the the Gravity logo was upside down, and I don't know so why. <laughs> it's a rocket. It's a like rocket a ship? A rocket points <laughs> up. And I... N- at no point during the video did I th- realize that the rocket was pointing down. I just... I. For context, for context, because I don't think Gravity is even a team anymore, or if they are, they're they're definitely they, oh, not. Oh yeah, they. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think they are. Um, it's like it's like a little try It
0: like it looks like a little Gallica ship. Um, it's just like a little rocket uh-huh. ship, and it's just it's pointing up, and that's where you look at. But somebody, yeah. I think it must have been a Reddit post or something. They had taken it, it and they rotated like the- it after they got stomped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So
1: what hap- must have happened
0: was that yeah. got to the top of Google, and you're just like gravity logo mm, yoink.
1: <laughs> I just yeah, I just yoinked the first one I saw, like uh I I man. have to
0: check because it might it might be true. That might, might still be the top like, one. Hold on, let's see.
1: I'm gonna look this up live. That would honestly bring me a lot of joy if it still was, because that mistake haunted me forever, bro. But I remember in the next video, like making a joke out of it by. <laughs> I think whatever team they were playing next, I like had it rotated and then rotated back in the video. I think a lot of people found that funny. That pretty I don't funny. know that. So I hate that to whole disappoint experience you. experience yeah, but it is not it's the not first there. one.
0: Now is the correct look.
1: Wow. I mean, Google can just tell me that they want me to be ridiculed. It's fine. <laughs> so when you you
0: put your mug down on your table, it actually turned your lamp back on, so we get the the rolling shutter okay, effect. So
1: that's a. Uh, that's a, I call it a feature. Um, it's he's not supposed to do that, but <laughs> he, I I love him. I I have to put my coffee on this table and not that one because any form of vibration will um, anger him. Mm-hmm. He gets angry and he will turn on and activate.
0: All right, all right. We're gonna get to the more educational part of this show because we actually have a lot of good okay. talking points for spooks. Um, so yeah. If you're a new editor in the editing industry, or if you're just somebody who's been editing as a hobby, these, this is something that you might want to listen to, this part right here. So we're going to start with, um, we talked a little bit about your background in the editing days, editing old montages and stuff. How did you first mm-hmm. transition from editing as like a hobby, editing your fun montages and stuff, to editing like as a job?
1: Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I started out just, when I started out, content creation was very basic. Um, You know, specifically when I started editing League, there were like very few established content creators and people like me weren't actually really even known as editors, just content creators. We were just YouTubers. Um, But as time went on, streaming and platforms outside of YouTube started to grow a lot, specifically Twitch. So people like me who actually enjoyed the side of editing where, or like enjoyed the side of content creation where you are editing and you are putting together a video we started to get a lot of opportunities from people who just wanted to pursue a career in streaming. And that's kind of where my, well, actually mine was a bit different, but that's, you know, I saw this happening and I knew that this was the direction I was gonna go. Um, My transition was more, um, I kind of lucked out in that, you know, I started posting on Reddit. Um, That was my way of just sharing my content. I would only post just the videos that I made. And a few of those would get traction and people would reach out to me. And the first company that ever reached out to me was actually Riot. Um, They had like a, they were just working with content creators. It was uh, kind of near the beginning of them starting to reach out to a lot of content creators. And I was one of the first editors, I guess, that they really wanted to kind of do a collaboration with. Um, And so what I did was I made probably about five or six highlight videos from their LCS games. And I remember these being so special to me because it was the first time that they were really giving access to uh, LCS game replays, which at the time was huge because editors just like I always wanted access to the replay files of games because having access to a replay file means you get to go in with your tools and do the cool angles and, you know, get all the cinematic shots. And um, it's a very big part of editing that was lacking in professional league scene because they just weren't giving us access to those tools you know you just weren't allowed to access the replay files of an lcs game yeah i know now i actually don't know what it's like now but i know that they have a lot of people making content like that for them and it all looks amazing um but at the time it was just like it was so brand new and i was so excited to just like make these montages that i had been making literally for riot about their mvps every week And that's what I would do. Every time there was an MVP, they would tell me a few hours beforehand. Um, And then that night I would get all of the footage. I would start putting together the montage. I would sleep. The next morning I would wake up and do the montage that day, send it to them before the night of. And usually they would post um, that day or the next morning. And so it was just like, it was just a rush for me to get this video out. But I I loved it so much. And like, it was my first opportunity as an editor to even make some money. And I remember um, being so new to it uh, <laughs> and not knowing how to negotiate prices or send an invoice. or I, The first time they reached out to me, I was too young to sign the contract. <laughs> so like I couldn't do the first job that they, they sent to me. Um, but I was very lucky in that the people that I worked with kind of actually gave me guidance on how to conduct myself as an independent contractor um i remember even asking for a price and them telling me that's too low and that was my first experience like whoa okay yeah that's all right that's fair and that's when i started to learn my worth even just as like a brand new editor i truly like i I was underselling myself like crazy um even if i thought that the content i was making at the time wasn't anything amazing or special I still felt like I was finally, you know, making what I deserve or, you know. Yeah, I guess that's. that's kind yeah, of, why that's not Te- it. say it? You deserve, yeah. you deserve that money. <laughs> yeah. That's OK. Yeah. That's another but, um, thing
0: that we can talk about later. The the self-worth of people who are producing this content. It's so easy to, to oh. devalue yourself yeah. and just say like, oh, I'm not going to be worth this much money. Why would I ever ask that? It's, it doesn't hurt to ask high and work, get get worked down like negotiate.
1: Truly, uh, and you know negotiating is still something that I'm learning to be comfortable with. I'm not I'm not a super like aggressive person or anything. So when it comes to getting what's mine, sometimes I really do have to like sit back and just kind of give myself the confidence to be like, okay, no, you deserve this or whatever. And it's a process to be able to do that, but learning to be able to negotiate for yourself is like huge. And just like, not just kind of accepting the first thing that's thrown at you if you're not fully comfortable with it. Um, But I, have me personally, I've also gotten very lucky in my editing career. And I think I've gotten a lot of really just great, great jobs that I kind of just said yes to immediately because, you know, I was just happy to do it. Um, So it, 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 it goes both ways. You really, you really need to never sell yourself short and determining what, that is for you is you know i guess everyone's kind of own journey and like figuring what they consider their work to be worth because i don't i don't think just sharing rates is the best way to go about it as Mm -hmm. i feel like you know I, i i don't know i never know the answer to that but i always tell people just just figure out what you consider your work to be worth and don't settle for less um because there is work to go around and as long as you are consistent and you keep going you will find something eventually i believe you know who i i might not have the best advice but that that's what i
0: believe i am I believe. fully okay yeah. i am fully of the opinion that there's no such thing as like a, a, a person who's there's experts of course but there's never going to be anyone who's just 100 percent right on everything but that doesn't mean yeah. that you can't make a statement about something like based yeah. on your own experiences why why couldn't you make this statement why couldn't yeah, you say that? Absolutely, nobody yeah. like you. You can look at even even doctors and even even scientists are constantly wrong about stuff, and mm. they're they're still yeah, saying stuff. It, totally, they true. went to they went Very to school <laughs> for twenty five years to learn about the powerhouse of the cell, and they they
1: were wrong or something. I don't know these yeah, examples. Man. And I mean, yeah, but like you know, working in this industry for the past five years, I have seen a lot of editors you know get mistreated and just not even really understand the situation that they're in or but i've also seen like situations where editors aren't getting mistreated and they just don't really understand what they're supposed to be providing to the streamer or Mm -hmm. you know it a lot of it comes down to one getting something in writing please get your jobs in writing do not just continue doing work without a contract even if it's with a streamer you can make your contracts as an independent contractor that's what you do and have them sign it agree to your terms yeah Um, not just a dm get a yeah it's not you you need these things in writing um and what else was i about to say i totally just lost my train of thought um well we can we can we can ask
0: because i think what you were trying to say might fall into one of our future topics so we can ask we can ask this part first Um, so we talked a little bit, like, back in 2014, was it, when you started editing? Um, yeah, like, professionally. So, what are the biggest differences between then and now in the professional level? Like, how are people, how how are things different?
1: I would say the biggest difference is the sheer amount of people and talent entering the scene. Um, it's, it's definitely hard to say, like, if things are better or worse right now for editors. Um, like over the past few years, there's definitely more opportunities than ever. That is for sure. But also there's just more editors than ever. And, you know, I think right now being someone's editor as in like a popular streamer is kind of like the biggest goal for a lot of people. Um, you know, you, being so heavily involved in content creation, almost every editor, including myself, you know, we just want recognition as well. And that's been a huge change in that now we're getting it you know editors have their own followings now there are people who genuinely aspire to be the ones behind the scenes as well you know not just the big streamer and i think that's to me been the biggest change just in the way it's perceived and like it's normal to talk about someone's editor now which just didn't really happen before oh yeah people just only saw the content for what it was coming from the
0: outsider's perspective a lot of people didn't know that streamers had editors for a long long time oh, like shit. everyone just thought because there were people who went out there and, and made their own content like they would the
1: mm-hmm. streamer would edit their own content and upload to youtube most most, most content creators did that for like yeah oh, for only long, really long in the past few years has that been a thing where people have hired editors yeah yeah so for the longest so. time
0: the the viewers would come into the channel and be like oh i love the editing you did such a good job and whether out of uh just not able to answer every comment or whatever whatever the reason is yeah this the misconception wouldn't really get corrected by a lot of people yeah who had editors the, sometimes if they're lucky mm-hmm. they'd have like a little thing down in the description edited by like a twitter handle or something like that but there would be not a lot of recognition on that but nowadays i see editors sometimes have their own production tag at the beginning of the show or at the end of the show Yeah, they'll have a, a top, top that... billing
1: yeah yeah that was something that started, um, and it was something that I did for a while when I was making League videos. I, I eventually decided on not doing that just as my own personal choice. I just didn't enjoy really having my own tag at the beginning. But at the same time, when I was doing it, I it was something I valued a lot because it did kind of give you a sense of like, I made this and I'm proud of it and, you know, having like a, a cool little animation at the beginning was honestly kind of like, I, I know for a lot of editors, it just became like people would associate their song and like be excited when an editor, a certain editor was on this video because they knew their intro and stuff. And like, that's cool. I think that's really cool. um Obviously the client has to be comfortable with that. And like, you know, just inserting yourself into content is never the right move. Like you truly, you can't, as an editor, you do have a job to do i believe and if you're on good terms and you are comfortable with with your situation i think if you want to you know insert a tag or something that's something that needs to be talked about you know it's 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 not something that you can really just throw into a video and i definitely did that before and that's why i stopped because i realized like i haven't really talked to anybody about this you know i feel like i'm sort of inserting myself into this content and it was just something that i felt i didn't really want to do anymore um but also, I'm glad I did it. If that makes sense, you know what I mean. Like it, it was. It's, it definitely gave. I gives a lot of people a better sense of um, what they're watching and what they can expect when an editor is you know, associated in that way with the channel. Yeah. Because you know, I know like a lot of people love Dan like Orneda's intro. Like they just knew, that it was gonna be a good video whenever Dan's intro popped up. That's not what I always knew. And so like. You know, working on channels with multiple editors, it is kind of cool to have like a little tag for yourself to set your videos out from the others. Um, So it's stuff like that has been a huge change in that, like. You know, that I I don't think that would ever have happened. I mean, people just didn't have editors, so it's it's all very brand new. This is all. That's what's so exciting.
0: This is this is part of the reason why I asked you to come on the podcast, not just because I thought you'd be an excellent guest because you're just an awesome guy. But like oh, this industry, so much, this industry is brand new. Like people have been editing yeah. forever. Um oh, but yeah. but editing for like YouTubers and streamers, that's a fairly new industry in itself. And it's being a dedicated editor for that person, that's like five, ten years max that's been around. So mm-hmm. people are still it's, figuring out like the rules of this whole thing.
1: Yeah, and honestly, that's I think probably what has caused a lot of, you know, even the the streamers, editors, everyone is new to this. And mm-hmm. it's probably been the biggest reason that there's been so many cases of people being mistreated in ways or, you know, like just not having good situations for themselves whatsoever because, you know, streamers also don't have experience in managing or paying or like doing that is is such a a task that i don't think a lot of like streamers really realized at first and so there was a a definitely a big period where you know stuff was a lot more unprofessional just in general but you know times have been changing and i think a lot of organizations which is good have been stepping in to handle stuff like that for players like if if players sign to an org the org will usually handle paying the editor um and handle like getting them set up but then the editor will have direct contact with that player that's been my experience and i believe that's been the experience of a lot of other editors working with organizations which i think is the best way to do it um as you know trusting a streamer who is just in their 20s just playing games you know they just want to do their own thing and if they don't want to worry about running a youtube channel they don't really want to worry about managing payments and all this stuff so it's it's really nice to have org step in now and handle that stuff for for people because that was a big problem for a long time mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that's probably another big change that I kind of forgot to talk about was just organizations in eSports kind of taking on that role of getting that stuff handled and making sure that nobody's getting mistreated yeah, although basically they're basically, they're basically like talent agencies at this point pretty much yeah, like you know the org is really just there to connect the talent together like they find a good editor they have a good streamer put them together and you've got great content and that's kind of the formula it seems like for most successful orgs right now yeah and we've seen a big rise in orgs signing on
0: people who aren't um professional players in the past few years uh yes. previously a lot of people were just like really good at the game it was just like hey we're gonna bring on just to use tsm for an example we're gonna bring on yeah. and we're gonna bring on whoever else and they're going to have editors and they're going to make content. But now we see people who don't even play games or don't even play a lot of games coming on as streamers yeah. for these for these organizations.
1: Yeah, man, it's, you know, the content creator role is I think super valuable to orgs now. And I I love that you don't really necessarily need to be a competitive player to have a place on an org now because I mean, there's a lot of people like Myth who I work with, you know, he started out as The young architect in Fortnite and had a brief period of, you know, playing competitive in Fortnite, but realized that wasn't what he wanted to do. And he's transitioned now into just being a content creator, really. And I mean, I personally enjoy working with a content creator more than I do like a professional player just because I enjoy what I'm making more, you know, like Mm -hmm. the content's funnier. I've, I've always enjoyed making funny videos more so than... Serious or montages, even though montages have always kind of been my thing, I think my passion really does lie in like just making funny shit. Like, I really just love cutting a video of someone who is funny. If I can make them funnier in any way just by my cuts, I feel it's very fulfilling to me. And someone like Myth, I feel like I get to do that a lot because he's just a naturally really funny dude. And then through editing, I get to just kind of like nail his stuff home just a bit harder like nail this the funny stuff he says just a bit harder so it translate to youtube but you know not really doing too much that's always been my approach to editing is like not not adding too much but just adding enough so that it feels like a key cohesive video and you know pacing and stuff is very important when it comes to like a funny video and stuff so
0: yeah and i think it's so much easier to reach a broader audience as a a entertainment personality rather than just as a professional player because to use like Mm. Faker for example or a a very good league player you can come in and watch Faker's stream and if you don't know really know what's going on in the league even if you have like a cursory knowledge of league of legends you probably Mm. won't really understand what's going on he's not a very vocal guy he's korean so there's also the language barrier um so you like the, the average person going to a stream, if they don't appreciate League of Legends, they're not gonna really appreciate him as a content creator. But for somebody yeah, like Myth, absolutely. I don't like Fortnite. I'm not really a Fortniter or whatever Myth's doing these days, but I still a Fortniter? <laughs> One of those Fortniters? I'm not a Forder. Um but I still <laughs> can appreciate content that he, every time Spooks puts out a little clip on his Twitter of like the video, I always watch it. I'm like, Oh, it's pretty funny. It's a funny, funny guy right there. <laughs> um Yeah, man. Like it's just like you I, don't have to like The game to enjoy the content. Yeah. So it's a huge advantage.
1: Yeah. And, you know, uh, taking it back to like just editors, I think finding a fulfilling job where you just enjoy working with the content that you have is a big difference. You know, I've worked jobs where I hate the content that I'm making. Well, not hate. I've never hated the content that I make or I wouldn't work those jobs. But stuff is stuff is tedious, you know, sometimes as an editor. Um, And sometimes you just kind of, bite the bullet and get through it but it does take a lot out of you creatively so finding like a client that you genuinely just like you enjoy their content and you just want to make it better it's like it's easy past that point definitely um,
0: so yeah. generally speaking and we talked a lot, a lot a lot about this but generally speaking just in summary things have gotten better over the past decade yeah I
1: I would absolutely say so. Yeah, like 100% better and, you know, opportunities just exist now that didn't exist five years ago. And being able to work remotely as an editor and just work with literally anyone in the world um, because YouTube is a global platform and it's you can pretty much go down any avenue you want right now. And that's really exciting. Is there Um, anything? I can transition.
0: And anything in Sorry. your in your mind has anything gotten worse over the like the past? have you have you seen anything like oh man I wish it was the way it used to be
1: um I guess just I, I'm always nostalgic for the old spirit of content creation but I know that that's probably something that's not gonna really come back as YouTube <laughs> has kind of transitioned into more of like a, a business for a lot of individuals I mean including myself it's literally my livelihood now so I can't really treat it as i want to but um you know the spirit of content creation just five years ago was totally different and it i do miss the feeling of like making something i'm super proud of being able to post that on like the league of legends subreddit and even if it doesn't get views or it doesn't whatever it's just like one comment of someone saying hey i've never seen your content before but this is really dope like little feelings like that I really miss because now it feels like you just kind of get lost in yeah. the, the wave of everything that's going on. And there's not really that many organic moments like that. So I, I do miss stuff like that. Um, but also stuff like that, I'm sure I could get back in my personal life just by creating more content for myself. But instead I kind of, I, I do mostly just work. So it's again, finding the balance. I think everyone needs to find the balance. Um, In order to get that but yeah yeah i i I do i really miss the way things the the general vibe i guess i'll say of being on youtube has changed dramatically in the past like three four years
0: yeah and and there was an especially exceptionally dark not dark but exceptionally time where this was true i think a year or so ago there was pretty much nobody making um like the old school videos anymore but i think yeah. We've seen a little tiny bit, nothing near where it's been, but we've seen a small resurgence of like the old school, just me and my friends yeah. hanging out content, not stream highlight content.
1: And you know what's actually is going to be a big effect on this and something that I just saw on Twitter the other day was that I honestly didn't verify this. I only saw it on Twitter, but apparently YouTube is changing their um, their 10 minute limit on. Oh, yeah, yeah. right now you need to hit a 10 minute mark to get mid-roll ads. And if people don't understand, the reason we called our podcast the mid-roll was because that is literally the most important thing on YouTube right now is getting the amount of money that you make on a YouTube video. If it's nine minutes and 59 seconds is like five times less than what you would have if it was 10 minutes and one second, because those mid-roll ads just give you, quadruple the money essentially that's that's just the way it is on youtube right now and operating as a business nobody's going to tell you hey don't hit that 10 minute mark it's always going to be we need to hit this 10 minutes and so content has suffered for a while because i mean i can't tell you how many times i've made a video that i feel is perfect at eight minutes but it needs filler it needs to hit 10 minutes I'm not going to just like throw in like an end screen for two minutes. I'm going to actually put content in it, but it's not going to be the content that I originally wanted to showcase or whatever. So stuff like that has definitely made things significantly worse, but I think this eight minute change, if it goes through is going to be actually really huge for, for YouTube and for content. I'm really excited to see how it's going to like, if the monetization will stay the same, you know, uh, I really don't know what effect it's going to have, but I do like the idea of not having to hit 10 minutes every time. This very was very exciting. This was something that
0: I learned just the other day. Uh, I was watching, I think, a YouTube video from Alpha Gaming. He's the guy who does a lot of uh, educational content about streaming and stuff on YouTube. Yeah. And um, something that I learned, I've been a YouTube premium. They've changed the name like seven times, but I've been a YouTube yeah, Red, YouTube Premium sub yeah. for, for like two years now or however long it's been around because I like, I don't like ads, but I don't want to just be like the guy who just like, ad block. Um me too. And it, I have a family <laughs> plan, so it cost me like three dollars a month or something ridiculous. Nice. Uh so it's cheap. I don't see ads. I don't ever see anything like that. But apparently, and I was it was like awesome to hear this, my view is worth like fifty to a hundred percent more to a streamer. Yeah. Than just a normal person viewing like all the ads, which was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah.
1: It's pretty cool. I like the way that they did that system and um I definitely I've been a YouTube premium subscriber for a while too, you know. I guess once you start, uh, I couldn't bring myself to use AdBlock anymore once I realized that you know my entire livelihood was based on it. Mm-hmm. But I still hate ads. I hate them. Yeah. And I hate that they need to be included in your content for it to be possible for you to do this as a living. But you have to. And that's yeah. I like that there's this option that actually does benefit the creators too. It's been really nice.
0: Yeah. So if you're if you're a, YouTube, or if you're a viewer who wants to support all the people you would want to support, but you can't afford like five dollars a month for every single person that you watch um just get a youtube red or a youtube premium subscription get a family plan with some friends yeah. it's it's really cheap Truly. if you
1: get some people on it with you and you'll you'll you can also the biggest reason i got it was honestly so i could play videos when my phone's locked because yeah yeah listen like that's honestly the biggest thing for me they I've have um, they um, YouTube premium Ad now <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah youtube premium thanks for sponsoring the show uh yeah, check out YouTube. okay so but for real though um They also have Google Music, which is shutting down. It's transitioning to to YouTube Music. I didn't even know that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I don't know when they're going to do it, but they're transitioning to the YouTube Music app, which I'm not really happy about. But as long as the Mm -hmm. functionality is similar, I'm not really going to care. So it's a lot. It's a lot of stuff to just fit into one fairly cheap subscription service. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, check it out if you haven't already. I think it gets a bad name because for some reason, YouTube, and this is probably why they rebranded it, uh, rebranded was YouTube Red had, like, a really bad taste in people's mouths for some reason. I don't know why.
1: Yeah, I never, I never, I definitely never subscribed to it when it was YouTube Red, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I've only ever subscribed to it as YouTube Premium, so. I think, maybe because they were trying,
0: they were trying to push this, like, YouTube Red-only content for a while, and that never really took off, Um, and that's probably why people were like, I don't want to, I'm not subscribing so I can see a new uh, Ray William Johnson video every week or something like that, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, he doesn't make videos for ten years. um,
1: Yeah, that that content never really had an effect on many people, I don't think. Yeah, outside of their core audiences. So yeah.
0: Um. Yeah. Anyway, transitioning back to the doc of goodness, uh, we've talked about Mm -hmm. the editing game and how it's changed. Uh. So, this is probably a question that you get a lot, and most most experienced editors get a lot. Uh, What are some of the pitfalls that people shouldn't fall into when they're getting into editing, specifically? Nowadays, like there's a lot of things that have changed okay, that we've yeah. said.
1: Honestly, and this is something that I've felt for a while. I think honestly, a big pitfall for editors is sort of the community that we've created for ourselves. And I don't mean to say that and the community is bad in any way, but I really do think it's important to give yourself some distance from editing and other aspects of your life, and not just you know what we talked about before, but the community itself. Because I find that it does put a lot of value on your technical skill as an editor, and constantly trying to please your peers is, in like my opinion, just the fastest way to burn out and feel like defeated about your skill level. Um, and once I took a step back and I started focusing truly on only what my client wants and what i'm I know I'm capable of doing, like my job became a hundred times more fulfilling, and so I think a lot of people do kind of get lost in the trap of, you know, you want to be part of this community because one, you're going to learn. You're going to meet people with similar interests to you. And there's so many loving and great people in the editing community. Um, But I do think you really should like consider what you're getting out of it and try not to put too much into it Um, because it can drain you. It can drain you to just constantly try and be one of, you know, one of the best editors or constantly trying to impress your peers because you're never, you're never going to get to that, to what you want unless you're just fucking amazing and you know, whatever. (laughs) but still like even then truly if I I find the most fulfilling way to go about it is to just focus on what you're trying to do and not really worry about what your peers think of you. And I, I even just talked about an editor with it about this literally yesterday who's been dealing with this. And it's like, it's a It's not an easy thing to recognize that like the community you're in and you love so much is like kind of you know damaging to your to your psyche, but you kind of have to realize that at some point, or I had to realize that. I don't think it's true for everybody, but I do think people should consider what they're getting out of like putting so much time into a community that you know you you don't really need to mm-hmm. Um. yeah yeah I, coming coming I, in from I an probably... outsider's uh
0: coming in from an outsider's perspective too i've been sort of engrossed in the editing community i'm not an editor myself past like the uh, youtube video every now and then but yeah i've been a part of these editing communities for a few years now just because of the my friends like spooks and zach and a few other people and the work yeah. that i've done um and a lot of the things that i've seen coming from an outsider is editors will hone their skills and produce projects to impress, like you said, to impress other editors and they sort of lose track of what the average person really enjoys out of a video. Like they'll, they'll spend so much time like getting that perfect bloom transition or that perfect. I don't know the editing terms. I'm sorry, Mr. Editors. Um, The the perfect effect (laughs) transition is absolutely the correct term. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just remember your audience, especially if you're starting out, remember that. Yeah. The editing community is, is a great place. There's a lot of ridiculously smart and, and talented editors out there. But their editors and what they appreciate out of a video might be wildly different than what uh Absolutely. the guy who watches eight hours of synapse a day once or the guy who yeah. watches
1: um ninja play Fortnite twenty four hours a day once. So yeah. Just keep that in mind. And this advice, yeah, and, and that advice definitely goes a hundred percent more for people trying to transition this into a career because um I think that's hundred percent, an important factor to take in is what, what are you creating, and who who is it for? If this is going to be your career, like, what kind of content do you want to get good at? Not saying that you have to lock yourself, and please, actually, don't ever lock yourself into a certain style of content or like, only consider yourself being capable of making something because that's just not true. Like I've thought that about myself for many times, but I've always, you know, as long as you start to do it, you will prove yourself wrong. I promise you. But still you know um it's it's dangerous to get locked up in that um you can you can really lose sight of like what is best for you in your future if you're just constantly trying to impress your peers
0: yeah and there's there's a funny um comparison that i can make uh, for people who maybe aren't super familiar with editing who are listening to this episode there's a lot of comedians out there that have a favorite comedian and they'll they'll be like oh man this is the funniest guy ever but more often than not those people are never really wide widely successful the, the comedians comedian because yeah. they'll have like yeah. a great style and they'll, they'll have all these relation uh related content to what comedians like and they'll be like man mm-hmm. this guy yeah. makes me laugh but they're not pulling in sold out shows in vegas and they're not pulling in yeah. 100 million views on their netflix special or something Um, and that's Mm -hmm. like sort of, I don't know if that's like, that's not necessarily a bad thing if you want to be that person who makes, makes editing content. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like what, what are your goals? You know, if your goals truly are to grow and make this editing your career, then you should be focusing on the right things, I think. And that is truly just figuring out what your client and what your client's audience and just like what type of content you want to make in the future, like set yourself up for that. Um, try not to lock yourself into just a certain style of editing. I've said this like I I keep repeating myself, but I I really mean that. Like it's there are there there are different types of you know, um, editing jobs in this community, and like you'll be expected of different things. Like if you're making stream highlights, you're definitely going to have different expectations than someone who's making montages and stuff, but still you can accomplish both and you can be very good at both if you really want to that's like you you can be good at any form of editing as long as you put the time in and you are an experienced editor like there is no form of content that's being made right now that i don't think like any editor who's in the scene couldn't make if they put the time into it it's just like you really just have to know what you want to do and and not lock yourself into something yeah and this is probably a question
0: that you get and every editor gets like every single time they, they check their Twitter mentions. Yeah. Uh, so we'll just get it out <laughs> of the way no, now. This is, this is going to be a, a <laughs> clip for the highlights, uh, the highlights playlist that I have put together. What are yep. some places that you should start when you're starting out as an editor and you're just completely new to the community, like completely new to the, the, the job? Like what software yeah. should people uh, check out? What types of videos should they yeah. work on?
1: What type of portfolio should they build? So, starting with programs, because that's always the biggest one, uh, the answer is truly it depends on where you are right now. If you've already started editing and picked up a program, I believe that there's no harm in just sticking with it, and, and don't really take other people's, you know, what, what they believe to be the best editing program into consideration if you are just starting and you just want to learn to edit. If you started on something, keep at it. Um... I uh, will say if just, just to, to cut in real quick,
0: the we all yeah. know that the the most superior editing software is Sony Vegas, so if you're not oh, using Sony, okay. <laughs> if you're not using Sony Vegas, just try to migrate over there eventually because it, it is the best platform. Oh be man, <laughs> completely so kidding. Completely of Sony <laughs> kidding. Vegas.
1: Well, okay, let me let me actually explain that though because like I started on Sony Vegas and I edited on Sony Vegas for the first, I think six years that I edited. It. And it's an amazing program, and it's like an amazing program to learn editing on. Um, But if you are really trying to transition this into a career, consider learning the Adobe Suite, because it's the standard uh, as of now. And just learning to work in those programs, especially if you're going to be in a collaborative environment where you might actually need to work with someone on a project, they're going to be using Adobe. It's just it's it's what... The standard call or the industry calls for right now. Um, and so learning that is like a really valuable skill. Um, it took me truly, after six years of learning, of editing Sony Vegas, it took me about a month of producing content daily on Premiere, just forcing myself to do it to really get a hang of it. But once I did, and once I started introducing After Effects um, into my work, like my entire skill set kind of expanded. Because there's things that you can do in these programs that you simply can't do in Sony Vegas and other programs, um, and learning to master those programs will take you a long way. But again, if you are just starting and you, are just, you want to learn how to edit, don't bother skipping or changing whatever you're doing. Just just focus on the basics. Learn what you, you need to learn, um, and you'll eventually find that if you want to switch over to a more powerful program or whatever, you will. Just because you'll eventually get to a point where you want to make cooler stuff and you realize that you can't do it because of the limitations of the program. So it's, it's, it can be natural. You, don't, you really don't need to force those things is my, my final statement on that. Is that really just like learn what you got and um, take it slow. But also, you know, over the years, my method of learning truly has only ever been like If i want to learn something i just google it until i find a resource that will walk me through it and to me that's always been youtube for free i've never i've never paid for um no i have i'll take that back i paid for one thing to to learn how to do a specific thing I, i believe i forget what the site was but still like you know youtube is such a good resource for this um And I've never personally stuck to like a specific person or channel, but I knew, I know some that I kept coming back to where like uh, Mount MoGraph is a really good good channel for learning After Effects. He just like probably my favorite. Um, I know Peter McKinnon has like a lot of great um, videos just on learning basic stuff in Premiere. Um, But you know, even that like literally it just comes down to knowing what to Google. Um, So if you want to do a specific effect, The hardest part sometimes is figuring out what that effect is you know sometimes you just don't know what it's called or i've i've literally googled like describing a certain (laughs) effect and you know spent 20 pages of google search just to get like find the name of what i was trying to accomplish but then once you find it you can look up a youtube tutorial and there's guaranteed going to be one there telling you exactly how to do that and you can learn just like that yeah so like you know, I, learning I, I've editing, done that really. <laughs> I've yeah, done yeah, that man. so many times where it's just
0: like you Google something and it's so ob- obscure and it's so oblique. Obscure, you're like, how, yeah. to, <laughs> how to make sparkle uh, but fade out backwards. And then you're like, oh, and, that's exactly. Yeah.
1: But you can eventually, you will eventually, like, if you put in enough time doing that, you will find what you're trying to do. And I guarantee there's going to be a tutorial on it. It might be terrible. It might be a dude just like spending <laughs> the first six minutes of the video in his notepad, but like, you will get there. And you don't need to pay for these things um, you know i have a you know personally, I never like have gone to post secondary education for editing um out of high school, I just kind of chose to pursue this um but and i'm I'm glad I did um but you know, I still think college definitely has its place in this industry, but at the same time, like in this era of digital content like you can have this skill set. You can learn it completely for free on your own time. Like there, there isn't any need to go into debt to learn how to edit. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think there's absolutely value in being taught by a, someone who with tons of experience. And I, I really don't want to like discredit college or anything because I think it's very valuable. And people who do go through that have a skill set that I probably don't have. But also at the same time. I'm just happy that I spent the past six years being involved in this and just learning the industry from the inside, you know, like just kind of learning it naturally. I'm, I'm very glad that I chose to just make this my path instead of trying to go the traditional way. Um, and I'm, I'm going to come of out of are similar. I'm going
0: to come out of left field and I'm going to say, "Fuck college, college sucks. <laughs> <laughs> if you are doing Fuck something, education. yeah. If you're doing something that you can do, Learning, like Spook said, on YouTube or whatever. Even if you're using yeah. like a, a site like Skillshare or or Bright or whatever it's called, you can learn so much about this industry and about entertainment in general, and just doing stuff and learning it for yourself. There are so many yeah. colleges that will gladly take hundreds of thousands or dozens of thousands of dollars from you, yeah. and will put you in debt Dude. for the rest of your life, and will teach you nothing but how to be stressed, how to mm-hmm. look up answers on on Quora.com how to cheat on your midterms, how to do whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I went to college and I'm not a big fan of it. Yeah. Um. See,
1: yeah. See, like my experience is obviously completely because I never went. And so I obviously don't want to discredit people, but I also kind of fully agree with what you're saying, just because (laughs) like you truly can just learn this skill for free and you can learn it in the most organic and natural way on your own time, literally just by doing what you want to do. If you want to make a video, it's I mean, I say it's simple, but it really is as simple as filming whatever it is, whether it be in-game or in real life, putting it into an editing program and saying, What do I want to do with this? and just figuring that out. Like you you have to put in the effort to learn, but once you learn the basics, like everything just fall, it just kind of falls into place. Like it, it's really the hardest part of learning editing is just getting the basics down for sure. Um, and some people probably have an easier experience with that being taught by someone directly, but it's not impossible. Even if you think it is, like it's really not impossible to learn from absolutely nothing. And having no prior knowledge of editing, you can probably pick up like a, a program like Sony Vegas pick up as in learn the basics within like three months and be proficient in it somewhat and you can so also pick maybe, it up probably less yeah you can just pick it up
0: yeah sony vegas is up. on the ground just yeah. pick it up pick it up pick it up from youtube.com um, yeah. slash sonyvegasfree.com
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 we won't talk about the fact that everyone editing on sony vegas has never paid for it um but <laughs> they That's love funny. sony vegas so much
0: because it's the easiest
1: to crack <laughs> yeah 100 percent. i think truly like back in the day that was the reason it got so popular i think because if you looked up you know i got into editing in <laughs> making first it was uh i actually remember the first video i ever posted to youtube it was and this was probably in like 2007 so I was 10. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I made a stop motion video of Legos on my desk with a little webcam. I took pictures. I, put, I dragged that into Windows Movie Maker. And then that's how I started creating. I started making stuff on Windows Movie Maker. I eventually transitioned into my Halo 3 screenshots because I took <laughs> some sick screenshots on Halo 3. And so I really wanted to, like, showcase them to the world. And so I put, um, I think, Nickelback... <laughs> a little bit of three doors down and uh, just, I gave each of them like a, like a title and you know, that was my content and that was the first stuff I made. Um, But eventually I tried to transition into like playing COD with my friends and one of my friends made a montage and I was like, holy shit, it was really bad, but I was so impressed (laughs) that I wanted to make my own. So I also made my own shitty montage over the course of like a month, you know, learning how to edit and, i just kind of fell in love with it like that you know like it just doing the shit that you want to do you will eventually learn the skill set do you I think is my
0: do you think you can go back and find that that lego youtube video that
1: you made dude if i can i will i will genuinely search for it tonight and <laughs> and try and find that because that like I I haven't thought about that in so many years. (laughs) I went through Now it's so clear in my mind.
0: I had an old YouTube channel that I went through recently and privated everything because it was awful. Um, And it was, I think, some of the first videos I made on it. Some of them were just uploads of uh, like commercials that I thought were funny. And I would rip them and just upload them. And then a few of them were like um, cringy home videos I made with my friends. And then a few of them were like. We've all done it. a few of them were like um uh music videos where i would take like screenshots of zelda uh, characters and stuff and like try to Hell match yes. up match up the Hell stuff to the music yes, <laughs> yes dude uh it's awful like, just
1: yeah it's it's awful but it's it's like it's the most organic form of content creation and i feel like you know we're uh, how old are you i actually don't i'm know 24 in august Okay, so we're we're literally the same age, and so we've kind of had the same probably introduction into YouTube and this kind of digital platform. Like all of these platforms have been, they've sort of like we've just grown up with them, but also saw them at the very beginning. Like we mm-hmm. were just at a weird age, I find, where like I've understood YouTube and where it was going to go from a very young age for some reason, and I got stuck on that. Since I was like 14, I've been stuck on the fact that I want to do YouTube or work on YouTube and create videos for a living. And I I really like, it was just a matter of being the right age at the right time, I think, for a lot of it. You know, being able to understand the platform and where it's going to go, but I don't know, man. Yeah, getting to see that transition of
0: of YouTube and, and content in general over the past decade or so has been crazy. Like you said, I think the first videos I ever watched on YouTube were either... It was a series called Halo Music Video Hell (HMVH), where they would do like fifteen or five second clips of a song, like a popular song, um, and yeah. they would match a little clip of
1: Halo up to it. And they're still around, Dude. and they're still they're still funny. Um, I made so many RuneScape music videos, <laughs> like truly. I I had Hypercam two on deck, and hey. I would fucking I would. Unregistered. Yeah, like, wait, wait, wait. Unregistered or registered? Oh, of course. Never, <laughs> never once in my life have I used registered Hypercam too, and never will. Like, who would ever do that? Is Hypercam um, still around? I don't I think they are. so. I really hope that dude. I really hope it's not still around. <laughs> Honestly,
0: no. They, they, they shut down.
1: Yeah, it's um. Yeah, man. Like that. No, that wait, wait. Just Hypercam
0: latest stable release,
1: uh, April fifteenth, twenty twenty. They're still making 20...
2: releases.
1: <laughs> Hypercam in 2020. I almost feel like I need to. Hypercam run it is a back.
0: screencasting program made and created by Hyperonix and Solvig Multimedia. <laughs> it captures the action from a Windows or a Microsoft Windows screen and saves it to an AVI, WMV,
1: or ASF movie folder. Wow. Initial release January 8th 1997.
0: 1997?
1: It's almost as old as I am. <laughs> wow, man. That's crazy. Just reading the the people also search for there's Cam Studio, Bandicam, Camtasia, Fraps, oh, all Camtasia. of those were programs that I used. Fraps and like Fraps was awful because I the fi- files were like
0: 8 billion gigabytes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, I remember that. That was awful.
0: You're like, I yeah, want to edit this like, this hour-long League bit. I guess I need 600 gigabytes of storage for it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and and like that was content creation back in the day. It was just people like figuring out pro- like no one really knew what to do. Now, People do know what to do. Like your computer, if you have an Nvidia graphics card, it comes with Shadow Play. You can record 1080p. You can record literally like 4K footage, 60fps, just of any game you want if you have the beast PC or whatever. But like, you can. It's so easy now to just start creating content that it's probably honestly feels extremely overwhelming. And I think that's probably why a lot of people struggle right now because everyone's doing something and it feels like you probably got to live up to whatever other people are doing but you know i i would say just like really (laughs) if we could get back to a point where people were just creating the wholesome content like that i feel like youtuber like just youtube in general would be a much happier place but i know it's never going to get back there you know it's just it is what it is now it's its own beast but i yearn for those days (laughs) dude
0: I think one of the first oh, yeah. videos I made I made on this channel, and it's long since privated, because I don't don't bother looking for it, um, yeah. was, I think it was my first day playing Minecraft, and I dug a a little tunnel down to bedrock, and I'm like, digging tunnel all the way to bedrock? <laughs> 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 was, yes, dude. I was just like, wow, that's crazy. Nobody's ever done this before it's in insane, Minecraft. Insane, This was like super early in Minecraft. This was before the nether got added. This was like really
1: early in oh, Minecraft yeah. days. Um, dude, I have... I have a specific memory of making my first ever Minecraft Let's Play and walking uh, my viewers at the time, my, f- my viewers as in like maybe four, um, through my Minecraft castle and uh, being extremely proud of it and then getting one dislike on the video, Aww. knowing that it was probably one of my friends because no one else watched it, and never touching Minecraft again, <laughs> like never no. making another Minecraft video again. Oh, That's a specific memory that I have of that. That's so you just mean. You brought that out of me, Nighthawk. I'm, I'm, I'm so, sorry.
2: I'm sorry. That's
1: all right, dude. We That's unzipped whatever. you.
0: Um, yeah, but oh, uh, man, I had a hustle. I had a great hustle back in the day, and this probably won't work anymore. But if you're get, looking into getting into Minecraft content in 2020, check this out. Mm-hmm. There was yeah. a site. Uh, I forget what it was called. It was I am, a, and I need this advice. Yeah. So this is this is for you, Spooks, and then an in extension okay. for everyone else watching this this uh, this podcast. So if you're looking into getting onto content, there's a site out there that hosts Minecraft mods um And they have a lot of third-party people making mods for them. So what I would do is okay. I would go to popular mods and I would say, "Hey, buddy, I'll make a mod review for your your thing. If you stick it uh, on the top of your mod post, hey. it'll be, it'll, it's a great, it's good advertisement. It's Man, good for me, good for you.
1: Yeah. It's, and like I got actually, I got a lot of views. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's so genuinely that's a very smart like thing to do because, like marketing your content especially nowadays is kind of i mean it's the only thing you really have because unless you're in the youtube algorithm you know you're just kind of it's just a sea of content right now Mm -hmm. so finding creative ways to get your content out there like that is huge um, especially if you're just making your own stuff it used to be that that's a a funny (laughs) way to do it i like that
0: it used to be you could go to Reddit and you could you could post like just anything and people would watch it and people would be nice about yeah. it but you can't do that anymore like you really can't Even if it's I, a small um, community people were really like what the fuck is this <laughs> you're this is awful
1: get out of here right Redditors are um, so mean I, dude. Do you mind if I run to the washroom really quick Yeah go Let's ahead I'll
0: I'll, uh, Sorry I'll about that
1: I'll uh, vamp I'll for a right few
0: back. minutes. I'll talk more about my Minecraft uh, YouTube career.
1: Okay, yes, please do. And I will be listening <laughs> through my wireless headset. Oh, no? Taking in all of the information.
0: <laughs> so, uh, shoot. Yeah, so I, I used to do mod reviews. And a lot of people don't know this. I actually have a huge, like for for a channel of my size, I think I have like 600 subscribers on, on YouTube now. Um, my channel has north of 2 million total video views or something ridiculous like that. And a lot of that is because I just did content like the mod reviews. Uh, I used to do a lot of cool stuff where I would go through um, PBE updates for League of Legends. And I would do, um, like, I'd I'd find... So if you're familiar with Vandral these days, he does, like, PBE bug reports where he'll find, like, a cool bug on PBE and he'll just make a a silly video about it. I kind of did that kind of stuff, like, five or six years ago. Not to call out Vandral because he's an awesome guy and he makes great videos, but he kind of stole my idea. So I expect a little bit of a, a cut from that. But yeah, I did that. I would do, I had this series going for a long time where whenever a new champion would come out, I'd build six uh, Zephyrs on them and get 2.5 attack speed, which is the cap for League of Legends attack speed. And I would just attack like Dragon or Baron and just see what their animations looked like. Um, and I have a video on the channel. Uh, it's called like Bard at 2.5 attack speed. And it has like over 100,000 views. And it's just him with his little bard things attacking the dragon over and over again um yeah so there's just like a lot of niches in the league community back in the day that didn't have a filler in it um and i was just like whatever wasn't being produced i would try to do that i had a series for a short time um that was basically just we looked at surrender at 20 and it would just talk about mm-hmm. all the, the new pb stuff and this again this yeah. was way before red mercy or whatever was doing this mm-hmm. so also red mercy please give me money because you stole my idea
1: <laughs> <laughs> red mercy you owe this man you owe me you owe me
0: royalties on every single one of your videos no this wasn't original stuff but it was just like nobody yeah. was really doing it back then um mm-hmm. and it's it's yeah, way man. harder to find a niche like that these days so much harder but if you can find a niche like that you can get some. You it will it will skyrocket your growth. uh other than Absolutely. just like yeah, just like trying to make a content these days. Just like making a let's play or something, you're probably not going to grow. But if you can find a niche, yeah, that's a good way to get started.
1: Yeah, it's it truly that kind of seems like the only approach to like find like to really separate yourself from anybody else on the platform right now. You know, finding. A specific niche or just one thing that you're really good at there's no harm in just kind of like if you want to grow in like you know using that to your advantage um yeah but and also so,
0: yeah oh sorry i'll let you I've been talking for the past five minutes i'll oh, let yeah, you yeah. talk
1: no no worries <laughs> but also like you know just creating content i feel like this is just general advice into getting into it because i feel like we've kind of t- we've been touching on that for a while just like getting into content creation Truly the most organic way to approach it will always be just creating what you want to create. Like we've talked about these dumb, like my dumb Lego stop motion and like, you know, like all your Minecraft videos and stuff, but like those were needed. They Those were necessary for us, for either of us to be able to create the content that we do now, because it's like, you need to go through those, like, just the, the all the shit that I've made, man. I've, I've, I have 500 videos unlisted just on my personal channel, um, and I haven't posted on that channel in three years. So all of those videos were made in like a four 4 year span, you know? So like just constantly creating content, even if it's not for anyone other than yourself, is just like the absolute best way to go about it. Um, my method of creating content and continuing to have stuff to make has been, you know, using like shadow play and just recording stuff while I play and making stuff for myself. I'll occasionally like tweet like a little montage or something of clips that I have, but a lot of stuff I just make for myself and for my friends and just send it to them just to like get a laugh out of my friends. And stuff like that is what keeps me being able to do this as a job as well because you know, it's working in a creative field you can burn out very easily and you can also, um, well, yeah, you just, you burn out very easily and it's important to give yourself the chance to do what you do it for, which is for me making content that I enjoy. And if I'm ever working a job where I'm not enjoying content, I make it a priority to start making stuff for myself. Um, because you need it. You really need it. And that sort of touches back on what we were talking about at the very beginning
0: of the show, where the work life balance is so hard for a lot of people, especially young people getting into um, where you're Mm -hmm. just it's so easy to get stuck into editing 24 seven and waking up at uh, one in the afternoon and editing
1: and then going to bed at three in the morning and then waking up again, editing Um, and feeling like that's the only thing that you can do and feeling like that is going to be your life. I've been there. I've been there feeling like that's just what I got to do to make a living and that's it. But truly it's not. Yeah, there there are so many ways that you can maximize your time when you are working a creative job like that and not feel like you are just trapped in it because it's the fastest way to burn out. It's the thing I care about most when I'm talking to editors because I've dealt with it so so much throughout my life, but you know, like I had to take just last year, I requested two weeks off because I, um, it was the first time I ever like took a full like break from doing any editing at all. And, uh, I just explained to like my bosses that, hey, I'm just not in a great headspace right now. And my, the people that I work with, I genuinely love everybody. Like, TSM has truly been the best to me, like, hands down, like the best org that I've ever worked with. And they're very understanding of stuff like that. Like, if you need, time to figure your stuff out you know they gave it to me and I was able to just kind of like uh have my friend take over for a bit and being able to just like take some time for myself I was able to in that two weeks realign what I wanted to do and come at it with a different approach and ever since that break I felt very very fulfilled in my job it was like a, it, was a, it was a big changing point for me So I think, you know, if you're an editor that's been struggling with that, maybe consider that as well, um, because it can be very healthy. Um, Even though it's scary to think of taking a break or stepping away in a time where everything moves so fast, um, I promise there's still going to be stuff when you come back. Like there's always going to be an editing job, even if, you know, taking time off requires you to maybe not work the current job you're with. But if you're truly not happy, I think it's worth it to just take that time to yourself um because you will there will always be work I, that's a scary thing to say i understand it's it's so much easier said than done but yeah truly like met, you know mental health above everything dude it's it's very very important to uh to remember that
0: in a world where people are are very hesitant to take time off from a uh, like a corporate job like a office job they don't want to take their yeah. their actual allotted paid time off it must be a thousand times harder to take time off from a like a freelancer position or like a a, like a job like you have where you Mm -hmm. it's not like you don't go into an office every day it's like you set the terms of
1: what you work um and that and yes actually i'm really happy you just kind of like touched on that because it's really important to if you're going to be working from home figure out your schedule and figure out the way that you want to tackle the day um not having and I'll only speak from my experience, but I know that anytime I didn't have a schedule, and it was, that was pretty much the entirety of my editing career up until the past two years, I just kind of lived in a constant state of like stress and knowing what my deadline was and wondering how I was going to get there. Um, but, you know, once I started waking up and being like, all right, I'm going to work this set amount of hours today, like a normal person would do at a normal job, and I can commit to that. I actually found myself getting more, um, like, more bang for my buck out of those hours because I knew what, when I was working till I knew, like, that I wasn't going to be working all night. And so I just, I had more energy to tackle the, like, the work and the allotted time that I gave myself. Like, setting yourself a schedule is huge for working at home and working as a freelancer. Um, And, separating yourself from work uh most of my free time goes into gaming so it means i don't leave my desk like i i literally close my editing program open a game Mm -hmm. you know my my physical i don't change physically at all in that process so like learning to be like okay maybe i should step outside for a bit before i do that you know give myself some time to just kind of whatever you you need that and yeah uh, yeah, all dude. all the
0: if you ever look up and this is like a weird hole to get into but if you ever look up motivational uh like youtube content that's like mm. always the biggest advice they give like how to separate your work from your your non-work yeah even if you Absolutely. even if you have to work at the same desk like the advice that they always give is like make an office and like make an office where you can but go yeah. to it you can always do something like that cuz yeah. sometimes you're just a dude you with a computer limited space
1: sometimes yeah yeah and um, you know especially goes for editors i think a lot of us are just kind of in our rooms you know we <laughs> got a we got a pc in our room and like me i have a problem with you know i i used to actually have a uh, a little office for my desk but i would still spend my entire day in there because i still need that pc to game on so you know after the editing it, it's not like i was really leaving the office at any point i was just spending all my time in the office so yeah. i was like all right I'm going to move myself back into my bedroom because to me it was just more kind of comfortable that way. Um, and I found that it works for me, but I know that uh, it can be really valuable to have like a separation if that's possible. Like if you have the space to do that and truly that's like, that's, it's definitely a privilege to be able to do that because not many people have the space to be able to like dedicate one room to something. But um, really, if you can do that, it would be, I think it would go a long way. Yeah. Um,
0: and if you can't do that, like exactly what Spook said, make a mental barrier between the two. Like get yes. up, go for a walk, it, make a sandwich. It requires effort.
1: Yeah. Like you really have to think about it. Um, I mean, making a schedule for yourself, like even Google Calendar, just like, just on your phone, you can have it so it will pop up like, hey, this is your time to work until then. Just follow your Google Calendar that you set up for yourself. If you really want to go about it, just like set it, take, take a few hours to plan out your week and not, not a few hours, literally an hour or 30 minutes to plan out your week mm-hmm. and stick to it and you will feel fulfilled. I promise. Um, you know, you don't have to stick to it like, like dead on, but yeah, you, know, you don't have to be a manager of for to your yourself life. to
0: where you're like, Hey, we're, why yeah. aren't you at your desk at three thirty PM? Yeah. But just try to try to bring enjoyment to yourself when you're doing your work and don't treat it like a job. But don't treat it mm-hmm. like a soul-sucking job. Treat it like a job that you yeah. want to do.
1: Exactly. I, um, it's very easy to get lost in the fact that you're... You know, I struggle with the fact that this is a thing I love doing creatively, but sometimes I really dislike it when I have to do a project that I'm not enjoying or I don't enjoy the content I'm working on or it's something that I'm getting a ton of like back and forth on and it's just frustrating but still at the end of the day i really love what i'm doing and so being able to still appreciate that is kind of the only thing that keeps me going during those tough times because it will happen you know being an editor you're gonna get projects that you really don't want to do or just like zap you creatively because you can't i mean you just can't have good projects all the time you know um Mm -hmm. so being prepared to deal with that stuff is is huge man there's a lot of it really is just it it comes in time for sure but if you know any advice I can give would to excel that for some people would I'd feel a lot better because I just I know how much I've struggled with like being able to just balance those things and feel fulfilled in my job so it I, I think it's just important to focus on try not to ignore it if And if you feel like you haven't been focusing on it, just put some time, just put some thought into it, you know, like what, what really do your days feel like, you know? And I think some people might find that they, there are some stuff they could improve on. I definitely did.
0: Yeah. I'm actually dropping a couple frames right now, which is bothering me, but I'm going to try to ignore that. (laughs) The frames. (laughs) Yeah. The frames. Oh God. Um, all right. So moving on to the next point that we're going to talk about, um, so, there, you don't have to name any specific examples or anything, but just in general, mm-hmm. like, how have you seen clients, private or professional, or, um, like, eSports organizations, treat editors or mistreat them?
1: Get, <laughs> turn this bad boy off here. Um. <laughs> uh, so, a lot of it has been not paying on time. Um, but the the majority of these issues come when an editor is working directly with a streamer and they either have just themselves themselves being the streamer managing the payments and everything youtube on the youtube side and just only having their editor or sometimes they'll have like a, a manager and a lot of these people unfortunately tend can tend to take advantage of people who well let's not put a i I won't say it like that but i feel as if there are a lot of inexperienced editors who get into situations where they do not know or understand their worth and therefore get taken advantage of um for their time because they know no different and Mm -hmm. uh I don't think there's a lot of malicious intent always when it comes to like a streamer or the people associated with the streamer, you know, either not paying these people on time or whatever it is. But um, it's a level of like professionalism and taking it seriously that is lacking in some people or in, you know, in just some areas. And um, I think when you move into like organizations, when you start to get, you start to like realize, how these things should be handled and even still in esports there are a lot of orgs that do maybe now they do but in the past have not treated editors fairly or well um but things slowly are changing you know like it's you you don't really get a, they don't get away with that as much anymore at least from my experience only from what i've seen um it's really hard to speak on that in general because I obviously don't, I've kind of removed myself a bit from the editing community um, and just like not really keeping up in just a sense. I don't really keep up as much with like what people are doing right now, but yeah, man, I think uh, most of it just comes down to like not paying people or just paying super late, not (sighs) that's the worst one. And it's, it's always that it seems. Yeah. And, (sighs)
0: <sighs> Something to remember the when solution. you're dealing with with streamers too is a lot of them started just like editors do. They start out, they don't make any money. They don't they put all their time into it. Yeah. They do everything for ridiculously low return and they yeah. they get into that mindset of I want to make content and I put in so much effort into this. And then they get somewhat successful and they need to hire an editor for their thing and they're like, "Man, I yeah. used to do this for I spent like an hour on this every day and I could do it. Yeah. My time is worth nothing. Why should I pay this editor this money? So that's, that's the mindset. And a lot of them are kids like emotionally and, and on an experience level, people are from 18 to 25 don't have that Mm -hmm. knowledge coming in and they don't really understand to respect. They don't have the empathy to respect other people's time and money
1: yeah it it's that level of understanding and thankfully over time that's kind of you know people have been learning and it's you know we've had there were a few years where it was very rough I think just in general for editors like it was I think there was a period of like time where the majority of editors felt like they weren't getting what they deserved or they weren't being treated fairly in the jobs they were at that still happens a lot sadly but as time has went on I think one more people are being held accountable because people don't really let that slide anymore as much but also just they're learning you know people are learning how to deal with managing and paying people like if you're a streamer and you've truly all you've ever done is play games and stream it you don't know how to run a business you don't know how to like manage a payroll if you're if you have multiple editors you know get a manager (laughs) like that's get a manager please get someone who can do both yes i mean (laughs) like people uh and people have been doing that recently which is great because you know having a streamer try and handle everything can unfortunately lead to just so much confusion and like just just worrying for an editor that is really not necessary um for anyone involved um but yeah it's hard to speak you know specifically the issue Uh, mostly it's always been like people not paying or paying on time yeah that has been just consistent through the years and probably always will as there's always people who are just kind of (laughs) shitty um but i think they also editors talk to each other people know who not to deal with when when that happens so you got to consider that as well like yeah and and People if you know, get into
0: if you get into a, a situation where you're approaching or you're being approached by a content creator and they're trying to give you a, um some sort of like bs about hey, why don't you make a few videos for me and we'll see how it works out and if it does well then you maybe yeah. can get uh the this this low base fee with like a percentage on top or something like that it's sometimes Just, they mean well but 9 times out of 10 that's yeah. not going to be a good situation for you to be in Mm-hmm. If they can't afford and to pay you your rate for like one or two videos just to try it out, yeah. one, they're not so a very like successful streamer, or two, they're very greedy yes. and they don't want to give you money.
1: Yeah. Trial videos, I don't like at all because as an editor, your skill set can be viewed truly just by the content you've made. You do not need to make a test video for somebody. If they want to do that, they should be paying you for your time. There's. I really, really hate the concept of doing trials for a channel, and, and doing unpaid work. Um, and I know people who do that absolutely always mean well for the most part, um, but because they're tr- they truly are just trying to find the perfect fit, right? But that effort should not come from the editor. It should come from the person who is trying to find the perfect fit. Mm-hmm. If you can't take the time to go through an editor's portfolio, and look at what they've displayed to you as their best work and you can't make a judgment based off of that, then if you want to go into the next step, you have to pay them for their time. Like the, you, if if you really want someone to give your content a shot, they should always be paid for their time. It's just the, kind of the bottom line. Yeah.
0: Um, and that and, really underlines uh, the importance of making yourself a portfolio that somebody can yes. quickly and easily go through and see if they like you. Because if they, if they try to pull, if you have a portfolio that you think is a very good and accurate representation of the work that you're capable of doing regularly, then there's yep. no reason that they should be able to go through and say like, hey, do you want to make a video for us for no money? If they want to pay you, sure, there's no, nothing yeah, wrong with yeah. that. But if for, there's no reason they should say, hey, do you want to make a video for us for no money and see if you really like Just it. to and, see how it works. Yeah. yeah and it's like... worse if they put that video up on their channel if it's like oh if absolutely. they absolutely if they just take your video and just like eh, i don't like it i'm like okay whatever it's a shitty thing to do but whatever but if they put yeah. it up on their channel and they're like oh maybe maybe we don't want to move forward because of your price or your content style that's just they're stealing from you basically at that point they really
1: truly are um and you know it's it's unfortunate that uh i've even i've done videos for exposure before like uh, it's it's stuff that i think every probably established editor has done um and, you know, I know so many people who have meant well and truly just like either couldn't afford to have an editor and just, you know, really wanted to try making content with somebody. And I don't think there's any harm in that. But I think as an editor, if if you are trying to make money and you feel like you're being taken advantage of, just just don't don't do that stuff please like don't don't do trial videos for free that's one advice I'll give for sure is never do a trial video for free um I don't like the concept of trial videos in general but if they're gonna do it if they're gonna make you do it make them pay you and if they won't then truly I think they are going to try and they won't be the best to deal with moving forward most likely yeah is my opinion um but who knows you know it's it's hard to make a blanket. and say I I'm not one to make blanket statements you can tell but still I really just uh I hate that shit <laughs> Th- think so. of it this way if you're coming in and you don't want to do a trial
0: video uh but you do it anyway not, and it doesn't work out not only have you reinforced the idea in that streamer's mind that they can do this to other people you've yes. you've you're contributing and this is I hate this because I hate the idea of like one person refusing to do something is like contributing to a culture of this yeah but you are you're literally contributing to the culture of like exploiting these people these workers you you see this in art art a lot where oh yeah i don't like this and i hate this argument but i see some people who and i'm not an artist so obviously i'm an outsider's perspective but i see people who get legitimately upset at smaller creators for like pricing their commissions out really cheaply like they'll say oh i'll make you a thumbnail or something for five dollars and like I see where they're coming from because they're devaluing the whole industry for everyone because like, Oh, you can get a thumbnail for $5. If I can pay this hundred yeah. follow person on Twitter, $5, why shouldn't I be able to pay you that? But also like, I don't know. It, it's, it's hard to the, to get into The thing that. is,
1: you know, nobody, you know, people can, will always, there's always going to be someone who's, you know, doing something for cheaper or, you know, can undercut your price in some way. But at the same time, as long as you are confident in the work you're making and you a client your value as an editor comes from what you make and the way you communicate to your client that's also 50% of it is communication <laughs> and being able to communicate and work professionally is huge but um you know your value as an editor is, what was I literally about to say? I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so tired and I just <laughs> lost my train of thought. I'm just going to, I want to talk about this communication thing because it just ta- just came into my mind because it's Go something ahead. else I want to talk about. Um, yeah. Communicating as an editor. Uh, easily the most important skill that you could learn is being able to conduct yourself professionally, message people professionally, take feedback and um, any suggestions in stride and being able to always, you know, speak to people in a positive manner. There, it's very easy to get frustrated as an editor in your job, but never, never let that affect the people you work with. Um, because the only way you really get hired as an editor is one through showing your work or two, like word of mouth, word of mouth is what has gotten me every single job that I have, you know, it's, it's more so being easy to work with than it is to just being the best editor in general. You know, as long as you listen and you communicate, and if you can't do something, you are honest about that and you explain that up front. or like anything, like there's just no, there's no need to, um, try and take on more than you think you can handle or whatever it is because you know i've pushed myself a lot and i've taken on things that i can't handle and just barely gotten by um and i've also been pretty miserable doing it so like it's it 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 can work but it can also just it really works against you and um also like you know i'm going on so many tangents right now that's that's just literally every every podcast we have it's just like (laughs) It's tangents the show. Feel free to just, talk about I whatever just, you want to. I, I just think about a random thing as I'm talking about. It. But yeah, like communicating is I've found to be the the skill set that I actually had to hone the most past my editing. Like I've always been confident in my editing. I know what I'm capable of, but I've never I've not always been confident in the way that I conduct myself professionally. And that's something that I had to really learn. Because one, you want to be able to stick up for yourself. Um You want to be able to feel like your word is taken seriously. You know, if you do your job well and you um, communicate in a good way with, with your clients, like, they will take your opinion seriously. They will value it. Like, I'm more than just an editor to the people that I work with. And they value my opinions. And that's because I offer them in constructive ways. And at least I like to think that um <laughs> i really hope they do um it, it really feels like they do obviously but like it's it's you know just 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 learn learn to be
0: professional yeah and when you're starting that, out stick up for yourself because it's going to be hard to find somebody else who will do that for you yep
1: yeah. um i i was very fortunate in that i had mentors pretty much going through like uh one of the most important people in my life is Hitstreak. I, I think you you know Hitstreak, like Jesse. He was the guy that he was my main contact when I uh, did my first jobs with with Riot, and he just kind of he could tell I think that I had no idea what I was doing, but he took it upon himself one to not only like introduce me to to people within the industry, but also to just like. Give me advice and kind of, you know, let me know where I stood because I didn't understand it myself. And having someone like that in your life is very valuable, but I realize not everyone's going to have that. I was very fortunate in that regard. Um, So hopefully in being able to say that, hey, like, you know, these things, I've gone through them. I've, I've dealt with this shit before. I really think, like, just learning to be a good communicator is the most important thing you can do if you are looking to improve your skill set as an editor um because i realize we're also mostly young a lot of us are below 20 like less younger than usually even just 20 but like i'm 23 i've been editing for six years um and i would say only in the past three years have i felt like a professional you know have I felt like this has been my career more so than just like a job that I'm doing? Yeah. Um. So, you know, I think it, I think a lot of people your,
0: was, will struggle to get even that far with with their mentality yeah. towards themselves.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, man, it's it, it's it's a lot of just like training yourself mentally. You know, you really have to Um. I, I guess that goes probably for any job. This is the only job I've ever had. I Like literally out of high school, I just edited videos. And it's a little intimidating to think that I don't really have much of another skill set. But at the same time, I'm very happy with like the way things have gone for me. And me personally, I don't know exactly what it is that I want to do in the future, but I know it's always going to be creating content in some way. And I feel like as long as I'm keeping myself in this space and doing the best I can do, I feel like those opportunities will come, you know. So I that was the best.
0: That was such an a skillful and expert transition to the next the last the final topic. <laughs> yeah, on the dog. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to talk Just about that? Them. Okay, let's let's see. So, what I had written down was like, what were some of your life goals? Like, where do you see yourself? I don't want to be cliché but like, where do you see yeah. yourself in 5, 10 years? Do you see yourself staying in esports?
1: I I love esports and truly like I honestly only ever got into content creation because of my love for games like really i mean actually that's not true i always liked filming stuff you know i i would have like a little camera that my mom gave me and like i made videos out of that as a very young kid and that was the very beginning for me but games are truly like where i actually got to express myself creatively because there's no limit to what you can do in a video game like you can make if you have an idea for a video that you want to do it's so much easier to load up any single game you want to do than it is to like go out and film it and And work on a set or whatever I've worked on like one set before in my life um and it was amazing but it was also like the most stressful experience of my life because there's so many moving parts and there's just so much responsibility and I I really do like just being able to make things out of the things I love most which is games so I can see myself sticking in esports for a while um I don't know if like I definitely don't see myself just being an editor. Um, I've always been more into just like, you know, I got into editing because I wanted to make videos, not because I wanted to edit. And so I like the idea of directing and I like the idea of just being involved in the production of things um, past just being the guy who puts it all together. You know, like I, I, I like, concepting ideas. And ideally, I think in the future, I would be in a position where I can like have more, you know, say in like projects and just be kind of more of an idea person because I feel like in my years of working on YouTube, I've just kind of digested everything I've seen. And I feel like I do have a good view of um, and a good like grasp of YouTube and digital content. So I feel like in the future I would love to take on a position where I'm you know kind of leading the force in that regard or you know leading the charge in some way but I'm also very happy to just be involved with some of the big personalities in gaming and like just like I just I love it I just love being in the space so like I can't see myself transitioning out of editing anytime soon I do see myself. Or sorry, I don't see myself transitioning out of esports anytime soon, but I could see myself transitioning out of editing. Um and so, you know. Do you ever see at yourself at the same time
0: Do you ever see yourself in a role of like a director or something like that where you can go in and, and
1: shape the content at a much more I early, do, yeah. early level? I do. And I think like um that's something that I you know i I had a tiny bit of experience trying to do that when I had, like, a a brief, like, three-month period with offline TV. I tried to be, I kind of came in as, like, for people who don't know, I only spent three months with them before the channel launched or anything. It wasn't even known as offline TV at the time, Um, but I came in as, like, just sort of editor dude with a camera that kind of knew what he was doing, but, like, I really didn't know what I was doing, and I was way in over my head, but it was a extremely valuable experience for me because i learned so much about one confidence like you need confidence to be able to lead a team or direct in any single in any way you need to have the confidence in your own ability and i didn't have that yet so um no one else is going to have confidence in you when you don't have confidence in yourself you know so stuff like that has taught me a lot that i think i could be in a director's role um it's just It's something that I think I still need to work at, for sure, because, you know, you really, I'm not a huge leader, I find, even though I don't really like to be, I I, I like to be involved in the important stages of things. But as of now, I don't see myself as much as like a a director of stuff, I feel like. Mm -hmm. But I definitely think I'll get there. I really do. I I wanted to point this out Um,
0: there. I don't know if it was, I know you didn't produce a lot of content for offline TV at the time, but I know that there was one video you did with Pokeballs where you went around LA or wherever it was and you just like walked around and it was just, it was basically just a vlog or something similar. And that was such a funny video to watch because you guys were just having genuine
1: fun doing it. I genuinely can't tell you like making those videos with poke is my absolute my absolute favorite memories of that entire experience because one <laughs> i mean looking back at them i couldn't even hold the camera steady because our setup <laughs> so i think the video you're talking about is we went to this la or this vr convention in la and um i just kind of followed him with the camera our view <laughs> was like "You're he's just gonna go in there and just be himself and so what we did we had a lav mic set up on him and this was my first time ever using equipment like this all i knew how to do was point my camera at somebody and so In my ear, in my headphones, I'm able to hear everything he's saying. This is my first experience with this. I don't know if this was the right move for us because I really should not have been able to hear what he was saying because it just made me laugh the entire time. (laughs) Like, I should have just taken it out. But the entire time I was laughing and I didn't realize it like this before. But, you know, when you zoom in with a camera, when you when you zoom the lens, you know, any slight (laughs) movement is going to be very, very jarring (laughs) on screen. And that entire video is just the entire screen shaking because I'm laughing at every single thing he's saying. Um, He literally just went around this convention and he did kind of his character that he does in VR, which is just this, (laughs) just a dumber version of himself. And I love it so much because he, he would get the absolute weirdest reactions out of people. And then he would look to me and I would just be there with my dumbass behind the camera with a big old smile. And then he would laugh at me. So it was like, that whole dynamic was one of my favorite things of that entire experience and I I honestly I feel like I could make so many videos with poke just exactly like that and they would always be the exact same amount of fun you know like I would always enjoy that that was the best experience um other content I did for them was just like one time we went to uh, and this is I think the only video of mine that what I edited and filmed that was posted which was the boxing. They went to they went to boxing oh, lessons. Yeah, yeah. actually I do remember that. That shit was so funny. That whole experience, like I remember the idea of coming up with like, we're gonna wake them up at five AM uh and just like like they all knew that it was coming, but still that morning I've never felt like that is the first time I've ever seen Poke seem like truly angry at me. <laughs> like he like I've never like I still remember that. And I felt so bad waking up all these people that like, I I felt like the small fry, obviously, you know, like I, I just, I, I didn't, you know, I, I was very, uh, not confident in myself and during those times. And so like trying to do content like that, where I felt like I was being so disruptive, I remember feeling just like, just so out of place, man. Like waking up, ugh, Streamers really hate to be woken up early in the morning. Yeah, I was just about to say this.
0: Gamers in general and streamers specifically do not wake up early. (laughs) That is just not something that they're good at. Uh, But,
1: like, my entire experience in that house, man, was, like, so invaluable to me. Obviously, like, it, it didn't work out in the sense that I wasn't the right fit for them. But at the same time, like, I genuinely value that experience more than I think any other job I've ever had. It wasn't a job it was just me being there trying to make it work but like to me it still was like a very pivotal moment because i figured out one what i would need to do moving forward if i wanted to ever do something like this again you know um and also just i got to work or i got to like not work but just like be in an environment with people who are established and know what their their goals are and I got to learn from Skara, who is literally the most dedicated person I have ever seen like uh, uh, dude, the things I learned from being around Scara just uh, in terms of work ethic and like focusing on the things in your career, like that man taught me a lot without ever really teaching me anything specifically, you know, so like that whole experience was was very invaluable to me um, and so I think like I would love to do something like that again where I am involved in person you know i eventually <laughs> i had plans to actually film vlogs with myth um but then everything kind of got locked down so yeah. that didn't end up happening this year but like that was going to be my kind of like transition back into that i think was like trying to film just vlogs with him i think it would probably go somewhat in the same way that it did with poke where it's just two d- two guys just going around filming shit and i think <laughs> it would have been a really good time and i think it still will i hope it still happens would you uh, move to LA So my original goal for a long time was to move to LA and it very well was going, it was going to happen at one point. I had everything lined up, everything was perfect. Um, but my personal life kind of just didn't line up with it. And then as I kind of got over that and realized, you know, like once I had to make the decision to not move to LA, I started to kind of, at first there was regret, but then I started to realize that I think I just had a dream of being in LA without really understanding it. Once I started paying rent, really, <laughs> once I started like understanding like the effect of money and just just how being around my family I valued so much, right now at least. You know, it's I, I think one day I would move to LA, but it's I don't think it's really a goal for me anymore like it once was. I I was definitely dead set on that from like 17 to like 21. I was like I'm moving to LA, bro. There no one can tell me any different. I'm leaving fucking Nova Scotia, this this small town. I'm going to go live in the big city and then I got the chance to do it and I was like oh shit, this isn't going to work right now. So, yeah. You know, you got I I I recently just moved
0: to LA and like it's it, it's an expensive city like you said. Like paying the money yeah. to live here is just ridiculously yeah. hard um and it's just like it's hard i was i've never been a very social person on the non-computer level like i consider myself pretty social like online, online and, stuff. and stuff. i love talking yeah. to people online but i do not go and do stuff well without Same. people that i know like i don't go and be like oh i yeah. want to go to a bar and drink and stuff i'm like not really my style um it's hard yeah. it's a hard city to live in especially right now i think i picked the worst time to move here i moved here literally right before everything locked down and i've been here for about six months now it's just you yeah truly it's very unfortunate (laughs) i i I, once i settled in i made uh, my goal a goal for myself i wanted to go to lcs i wanted to meet up with a bunch of my friends out here charlie who's actually in chat right now i wanted to meet up with um and i just i couldn't do it before um because i was just in a situation where i just literally couldn't get away from what i was doing yeah and now i can't do it because everything's closed nobody nobody wants to die um yeah uh, man,
1: it's, it's hard yeah dude that is like in terms of moving to LA I don't think you, unfortunately I think you actually just got the shittiest hand in that regard <laughs> I, I feel so <laughs> sorry. Yeah, it's, it's so even fun. worse it's even worse because But at the same
0: I was saving so much money because the office that I work at it had free food and like free free everything oh, and I could just go there and but eat now and you food. don't know now I don't have free food and they didn't, They haven't, oh. they haven't been like, Hey, maybe we can give you some money for free food. <laughs> so yeah. I'm paying, oh, I'm, man. I'm, I'm, I never had any bills anyway, other than like rent and mm. food. Like that's just basically 90% of my expenses. So like yeah. putting food back onto, on top of the rent is just, it's hard. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> if you, Hey, if you, if you decide to move to LA next year or whenever this stuff, Dude. um, closes or opens back
1: up let's meet up absolutely i mean i'm a hundred percent going to be going down there hopefully kind of frequently i would love that um because i i do definitely want my personal goals are to kind of take more of an in-person role with the people that i work with because i one i just want to meet them in person finally i've been working with everybody for so long and the I I was going to meet them at TwitchCon one year, um, but ended up not being able to go. So, like, it's just been a long time coming of really just wanting to meet all the people that I work with so closely, Um, but also to just transition into the being more involved and um, wanting to experience filming things again, because that's a skill set that I still really need to improve on and practice. And I think that's, like, the best route for me personally, so yeah and so many so soon. many of
0: these esports companies are making um like facilities now it's awesome like the 100 t's facility yeah. just opened up Dude, they're, I, they're the, opening
1: up soon i really want to see the tsm facility I man yeah. i can't even front like it looks so cool it looks so awesome really... i've been see,
0: I've been like stalking the videos and like i actually it's right on my tr- i go i used to ride the metro to go to work because i was I, just easy yeah. it was my stop was yeah. close by so i'm like it was like on the metro line there i think (laughs) it's like it's i forget where it's in Els. no where is it el segundo or is it you know where it is off the top of your head i i'm honestly not sure where it is i'll have to look that up. i know it's close by to where i work um so i was always just like what if i just took my bike over and saw what was going on but i never really got the chance to do that um yeah it looks awesome it does man and
1: like uh sorry yeah i i uh, like i think there is so much value to being in LA. Obviously, it's weird times right now, but in general, being in LA is kind of the place to be if you do really like want to meet people in esports you want to make those connections like it's it definitely is the hub. So, I think if you are able to do it, maybe not now, but like I, I think it really is kind of the right choice for a lot of people. And I think it would be for me if um, if I get to that point where I feel comfortable doing it. You know, it's it's all really just comes down to once I feel comfortable making that move, I think I probably will because it just yeah. does seem kind of like the place to be, you know?
0: And it's it's not like you're stuck in LA forever. Like if you, if you no, want to go to yeah. LA, you can advance your career. You can do, I don't know what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life, but I, I could see myself finding my niche in in whatever industry i want to be in and growing that and then moving to another part of the country that doesn't cost so much money yeah (laughs) moving back like like, a lot of people are moving to austin texas now and austin isn't a cheap place to live but like compared to la it's, it's a lot
1: more affordable um yeah and i know like personally for me like being having worked remote my entire life it is hard to make the decision to be like hey Right now, I could either do what I'm doing right now or go to L.A. and pay, you know, triple the amount every month that I am to do the same thing. But I would also be gaining all these other experiences like mm-hmm. I for me, money was a big decision for the first reason that I couldn't go um, just because of the situation. But um, obviously that that still plays a huge important factor in a decision to move somewhere like L.A. But it's not the only thing I've really considered. But um yeah, man. Like, it it's definitely tough to make a commitment like that when you're comfortable. Yeah, like I, you're was, comfortable I was I was the situation.
0: I was lucky enough to have a job offer out here and come out come out here mm. with the the um, guarantee of something that I'm going. Yeah, to be that's very able important. to
1: do. I think, like, yeah, I I feel like just kind of going to L.A. and with the goal the general goal of something happening is a tough one it works out for some people but i don't think that's a move that i could ever make it would definitely have to be like yeah lined up you know exactly what you're getting into um um and yeah thankfully i i honestly did have a situation like that but still just wasn't wasn't the right time but yeah okay well let's
0: let's get to these last couple of questions and then we can wrap up and we can talk a little bit more if you'd like but um yeah. so we talked a bit about what you'd like to focus on as as a content creator. Uh, would you ever? I know that you've dabbled a little bit, and this is kind of where you started. But would you ever want to be like a content creator yourself, like a personality?
1: Honestly, truly, my answer is yes, and I think that's always been something that I've wanted. Because, and honestly, if I really think about it, I feel like most editors do. I think a lot of people get into this because you just want to make content um and i won't say that every most editors want to be personalities but um yeah like it, it's one there's wanting recognition and i think there's wanting to be a personality i think i would like to be a personality because i just i feel like it's it's something i could do and i would enjoy it but you know um It's also very, it's a much different approach to making content. Um, Focusing, I found that anytime I've edited something with myself in it, I am very, very critical. And I have a very hard time getting past that. Um, So there's like a freedom to editing other people's content that I really enjoy. So it's like, I part of me, I think, is almost a little scared to like, just dive into like making my own stuff because it's, harder than for me for me it's a lot harder to make stuff for myself than it is for other people because I don't really know what I want, you know? I know what my client wants. So like I can do that every time. But like what do I really want to make or how do I want to like portray myself on YouTube or whatever I do. Um also, you know, definitely overthinking it, but um I think, you know, that that's definitely a hang up for me and I think probably a lot of a lot of other editors and why they kind of stick to just editing even though I think a lot of us do kind of really want to be a personality, um, in some way, uh, because it's, it's easier to just kind of do what, you know, and it takes a lot of effort to establish yourself as a personality that I think I haven't got to a place where I've really wanted to do yet. Um, but at the same time, it's always been on the back of my mind. Like, yeah, I would love to do that. I would love to stream more. And Mm -hmm. honestly, I just should, i really just should that's all yeah, that it comes down I, to is just doing it
0: i was actually gonna cut in and say that like every time you stream or every time you make put out content i always enjoy it so i think that you should oh, if you have the time right. you should just try to do it more
1: yeah i was thinking like <laughs> i've personally been getting super into well, one of my things was not ever really knowing what i would stream um but one thing that i've been getting very into recently and i i don't know how this happened, cause i've gotten addicted to sim racing like i'm fully addicted to uh like i have a wheel coming right now i have like i I bought like a a stand for it i bought the shifter i have like i have my vr setup i'm just way too too into this in the span (laughs) of like two months i've gone from not giving a shit about cars never i don't have my license i don't drive I don't know what happened but something switched and now I'm just fully addicted to like racing and and everything involved with it. I started following F1 out of nowhere. And so I finally found I feel like something that if I wanted to stream I finally have like kind of the passion to stream. So, you know, maybe in the future I will try and do something like that where in my free time I I stream myself playing stuff like that and I think it would be a good time but you know, before it was always like <laughs> I'd play a bit of Fortnite and, you know, I could stream that for like two hours, but then you yeah. kind of get exhausted. So mm-hmm. it was like, you know, I'll be I'll uh, be one hundred and ten percent
0: honest. I when you s- were going to say what you're going to say, I literally that was literally the last thing on my mind. I'm yeah, like, I know. Right. I'm like, like uh, maybe he'll play some like uh, some of the new game that Amazon just came out with uh, or whatever it's called. Or <laughs> The Ubisoft yeah, game. The Crucible or yeah. Crucible yeah. or, or um, Hyperscape is really Hyperscape, cool. I will yeah. say that scape um, is dope. And you're like, sim racing. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah.
1: Right? It's like, truly, it's so out of left field for even me because I've genuinely never cared about racing or cars or anything, but I think just, I kind of always, I liked the idea of playing racing games and stuff. And then, well, I bought myself this shitty little, uh, budget wheel, um, <laughs> and i i have regrets for buying it because it's a terrible product but also it's the only reason that i realize that i want like i'm i'm into this and like i want to pursue the hobby and so unfortunately i picked a super fucking expensive hobby to get into because like the more you like sim racing the more you want to improve your setup and it's just all so expensive but I this uh, is this is I the mean,
0: exact same problem that every fucking streamer has and every fucking aspiring content creator has. They want to get into streaming, they want to get into content creation, and then they realize that you can always go higher for your. You can get a more expensive yeah, mic, man. you can get an audio interface, yeah. you can get a three thousand dollar computer with an R nine. Uh, it always, or, and it <laughs>
1: always feels like you know you're not keeping up if you don't. But uh-huh, truly, you're like, like, oh man,
0: I want to. I want to. My processor can only do ten eighty p sixty fps. I want to do 4K content. I want to do... And you're yeah. just like, oh, it's, 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 it's so expensive if you just keep... You need to learn when to just say, like, this is good enough for the stuff that I'm doing. And this is more for the, yeah. the content creation and side than for, like, the sim racing stuff. But.
1: Yeah. I, but, I mean, the truth is, though, like, in order to stream, what do you really need? It's like, I feel like most gaming PCs can handle streaming at 720p, 30 mm-hmm. FPS at the very least. Playing pretty much any game you're going to want to play right now and still be able to, like, play it. You might have to turn down your settings or whatever, but, like, you can stream pretty much any game right now if you have, like, a a, just an everyday PC, but also consoles stream, too. Mm -hmm. So, like, they have streaming built into them. Really, it just comes down to starting the stream, I found. Like, at the end of the day, it all comes back to, like, I can have a better mic, but I also used to stream, and I feel like most people always had like the blue yeti usb microphone like that was like the one that everyone had and everyone's mic sounded the same for six years you know now people obviously have these crazy insane expensive setups but it's like you can still get by with that perfectly fine and nobody's really gonna care like people value the thing that i the thing um, that i
0: always go back to is you look at streamers like xqc or you look at streamers like uh, Eris. Exactly. There, yeah. there's a streamer called Avoiding the Puddle Eris. I don't think he's he's Dude, super.
1: I love him so much. <laughs> he's, like I, I actually. I wish I could catch his streams more because it, I only ever end up seeing clips of him. Yeah, and yeah, he yeah.
0: genuinely brings <laughs> me so
1: much joy. <laughs> he's so yeah,
0: funny. And he has like he his is. webcam is like a little his webcam is, is like, is nice like a green half the time. Bro. A green box on the bright side. It's so low quality. It's like this <laughs> he's like, this <laughs> motherfucker it. is green half the time. <laughs> yeah. And his but like it,
1: it, like and he it's just like it works for him. And like yeah. he doesn't the fact that it, it works because he just you it's he doesn't care. You're there for him, you know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I, you know, nobody really goes to a streamer for the production value unless that streamer literally their shtick is you know production value. Like, yeah. You know, Doc. You know, uh, uh, who? Uh, you know, he. <laughs> <clears throat> um, he was known for you know one his character, but also his fucking insane level of production value. Just like the most ridiculous transitions and everything. Just so much effort put into it you don't need that if you want to do it. I think that's dope. And you would have, honestly, there would be an audience for that, I think, but like, that's just not necessary. That's, that's what you do when you are established and you have a literal full team of people working for you.
0: Yeah. And there's another example of like, and these are the reason that I bring this up because these are like the only two examples I can think of, like the sushi dragon, his whole thing is like crazy production value and like cool live shows and stuff. But I don't think, unless you want to do something like that very specifically, I don't think it's yeah. good to focus so much on production. And I fell into this trap, and I think most people fall into this trap, where they want to they want their production to be as good as possible, and they'll spend as much money as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that maybe if you're successful, that should definitely be a priority, like pr- improve your production yeah. value as much as possible. But it shouldn't be how you start your content out. Like You shouldn't start the yeah. game out with a $7,000 computer, with a DSLR yeah. camera, with big soft boxes everywhere with with i don't know the sure tech eight thousand mic or whatever Um, yeah
1: like you it's honestly i feel like the most genuine approach and the way to grow a genuine audience probably will always just be letting people see your you for what you are you know like just like turning on stream and being yourself and like running with whatever issues your setup might have if you can do that and just let that happen. And you're, I feel like you will grow a genuine audience who just wants to be around you. And you know, that's, uh, that's me talking to myself right there. Just telling myself that advice, because truly like, that's something you need to remember if you do want to get into streaming, like I do. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's simplify,
0: simplify your life too. Like this is something. I'm not a successful streamer. So of course, take everything I say with a grain of salt, but like try to simplify your process. Yeah. A grain of salt. um, (laughs) i i fell into the production trap i have like a two pc streaming setup i have like crazy audio interfaces and like all this stupid crap and i like i don't regret getting it or anything but the process that it takes me to go live is such a convoluted and just nightmare to get everything set up that i just don't want to do it
1: i just don't want to do it that yeah that's the other part of it for sure like once you add all this stuff it's like then it becomes literally a process to get started you know having an insane audio interface is great until you realize like, holy shit, managing an audio interface is the most fucking confusing thing you could like, I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, so, that's so my <laughs> opinion. Bro, I hate it so much. I'll show I this on it. stream. And if you're, if you're listening to this, I apologize.
0: Guy. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll try to explain it. This yeah, is me, a virtual autoface called our interface called yeah. voice me to potato. I hate and it. this oh. is what it looks like. Um, and it's, it's, it's virtual, so obviously it's a little more convoluted than like an actual physical hardware. But also, a physical yeah. hardware interface on this level would be like six thousand dollars or something like dude, that. So this is voice like eight dollars. Yeah. This and this, this is the program, stuff I have to deal with. <laughs> yeah.
1: Is it, this and is what like, I
0: use to port my audio over to my second PC. This is like all the mixers, and dude, we have yeah. like oh, it's it's a pain in the ass. It's
1: it's. Uh, audio to me has always been just like a total mystery in terms of how it works because I don't know why like I I can perfectly manage video but when it comes to like any sort of like routing stuff through an interface like I my mind just goes blank and I have like the smaller I have voice meter banana just literally just for my mic mm-hmm. and just getting that alone set up I had to I eventually just gave up and asked someone else to do it for me because <laughs> I couldn't so yeah. it's like I, man i'm okay so so stuff like
0: that not downplaying yeah. voice meter because it is actually a super powerful tool if i didn't wasn't afraid of like completely breaking everything i would show you like yeah. what my mic sounds like before voice meter and after yeah. it's not as pronounced but with this one it's way too scary to do that it's way too scary live on a show um if you want to hear yeah. it like maybe i'll do it after the show but um yeah, you could do a little it's like it's if you have a cheap microphone and I had a $50 ATE 2100. It was like a 50, It was super cheap. It wasn't a great mic, but it, it sounded yeah. pretty good. Like If you go back three or four years, two or three years to my sh- uh, old clips, you'll see what I sounded like. I didn't sound great, um, but I sounded pretty good. And if you look at pre-processed audio from that, it sounds like garbage. Yeah. You can hear keyboard. Yeah. You can hear the, the fans and the computer. Um, so not knocking voice meter because it's such a useful and powerful tool, but it's also just a massive, utter pain in the ass. Um. Yeah, so if dude, if you don't have to use it, don't <laughs> because truly, it will bring you nothing yeah, but like, pain.
1: Yeah, man. Like that's that is honestly a very good way to put put into put into perspective what getting all of this extra equipment does. Because, like, truly, it's it's amazing, and you have so much more control. But if you're just getting into it, like, you don't want that headache, man. You just like just save that type of stuff for when you actually understand what you want from your stream exactly what it is like you know i i think you know just general advice for people who are trying to get into streaming like yeah just yeah. just skip that part for now the, it's the not, eas- the, it the the less
0: steps that you can take from sitting down at your computer booting up a game and pressing go live on streamlabs obs the better the better you yeah. you will always get more return out of actually just streaming than you ever will with hours and hours and hours of pre-production for your stream um so just keep that in mind
1: i fully agree
0: all right and then um um, last question for this because we have been talking for a long time it's been such a fun show um yeah dude it's been great this is just a general open-ended question do you ever do you see like the industry as a whole esports video games editing youtube do you see it growing at this astronomical rate for the future or do you think we've kind of reached the peak and it's going to
1: start flattening out a little bit you know it's like that's something that i do think about quite often and it's so i feel like we are in unprecedented times right now obviously i think think in every aspect like yeah yeah but it's like the way in which media can like I I honestly feel like the new mainstream is already the internet. You know, like that's it's it's so well, actually no. That's not true. It's not there yet. Because, you know, people in our in our bubble and the people we're associated with in real life, like I I will know of like a mom who knows like who Ninja is. Um, but like that's about the extent of it still, you know, like uh it's it's still not broken into that mainstream yet but we're getting there. Like it's, it's at the beginning. And, but the thing is like, I honestly feel like that level of like, you know, TV media and everything that's already been established for so many years is already becoming more relevant than what's happening online. So it's like, at first it was like, we need to get to this level. We want to be known to the mainstream people. But then it's, like, now the actual mainstream, I feel like, is just shifting. Like, what, what is considered mainstream now? And it's, like, you know, my mom, I, I hear her watching TikToks now. And she, like, uh, she never has used apps, like, uh, well, she's used apps, obviously. But, like, I've never seen her use a social media app like that. And now I hear, like, just the dumbest songs all the time. Because my mom's watching TikToks now. My mom never would have watched Vine, like, Can you imagine your mom's on Vine, dude? Like my mom just started watching YouTube, like on her own without me prompting her. Yeah, I got my mom a Chromecast, and I think she's maybe used it like twice in the past few months. But like, we're getting there, bro. Like, I don't know, man. It's 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 hard. It's harder. I I will say it's way harder to get old people to change their ways.
0: But it is just in terms of like the natural progression of things. I think you're 100 right. I think we're gonna get to the point where maybe football and maybe maybe um cbs uh shows at nine aren't going to be the main anymore like i don't even think they are right now but
1: definitely not in 20 years i honestly would be really intrigued to see what like the differences between twitch's daily viewership and like one of those huge channels you know like i honestly don't know what the difference is right now or what the numbers are like but I feel like more and more families are just going to be having a Twitch streamer or a YouTuber in their background because you connect to these people. They're not streamers don't really feel like celebrities yet. Mm-hmm. Um, they just still feel like you can. Uh, I, this is a point that um, I think Noel, I was watching the, the Tiny Meat Gang podcast. I don't know if you've ever heard of Tiny Meat Gang. Unfortunately, no. uh, but <laughs> it's a great name to just throw out there if you don't <laughs> understand the context of it. Tiny Meat Gang. You should look them up. But uh, Noel Miller from there was talking about how, uh, you know, content, y- you can never, none of our parents could ever see a celebrity or or look up to a celebrity and then go into their chat and directly interact with them. Like that's never happened until now. You have so people, these like gaming icons that you can literally on a daily basis interact with directly, you know, like they can read your messages. and that's like such a level of like connection that i feel like is going to just propel twitch and streaming like as more people start to realize that it's just going to explode even further and it's like i don't think you can really com- like compete with that level of interactivity no, at this point not. like you really just can't and so, it's it's i don't know i
0: think it's way more i don't know i don't i'm never going to look at a streamer viewer relationship and say like that's so healthy but i'm going to say yeah. that it's way healthier than than the relationship that you have like with and i use the, rela- the term relationship i mean like your how yeah. you view that person it's Absolutely. probably a lot yeah. better than how you view somebody like tom tom uh or brad pitt or like um yeah like
1: you you get a view into their life you get yeah. to which is and also it, in the same way, kind of crazy. But they like, aren't as elevated. I feel like they're more.
0: You yeah. Can, you can see them more as people because you have that constant stream of co- stream of consciousness coming from them, and then you also see like yeah. their Twitter and their Instagram, and they're they're posting yeah, a lot of like, yeah. You see them unfiltered. Yeah. You see what's happening with their life more. Um. Yeah. And there's so many ramifications about like what that does to people. Um. And I don't yeah. want to get too it's, much into that. Um,
1: absolutely. But yeah, because there's there are a people, whole other side to that. That.
0: Yeah. yeah. There are people who will it's, who will get obsessed with streamers, and then they'll they'll base their entire yeah. reality upon like the the reality Literally. that these people put out, and it, it's dangerous. Maybe we can I don't know. I wanted to bring this up because like we filled yeah. two two and a half hours so well that like maybe <laughs> yeah. in the future, if you want to yeah. come on again and talk about some other I stuff, to. yeah, Genuinely, I'd love to have you back on the to. show. But yeah, yeah. Uh, it's there's there's so much stuff to talk about in terms of like how streamers are interacting with. Viewers, but I think that what mm-hmm. Spooks is saying is where when compared to celebrities from the last century, it's going to be ridiculously hard to compete. Like you'll really, still have truly. like artists like Kanye West and stuff who are going to be like these mega stars above everyone else. But like, how far behind is Ninja and how far behind is Doctor yeah. Disrespect if everyone ever figures out what happens like, to him? I um, like
1: I honestly think Nick Murks will be probably. One of the biggest figures in entertainment in like the next five years, like Nick Merks himself, I like that's one of the streamers that I see just growing so enormously large, just because I think he has the personality and the the ability to transition to a mainstream like celebrity like that. But like, yeah, and like and he, like I mean, there's so many streamers like that, but that's just like the first one that came to mind is like Nick Merks. You know, like I fully see him as a like a world celebrity at some point in the the next five to ten years
0: easily and it's so much easier too because we're not in a culture anymore that and i mean of course i'm in a bubble obviously and everyone everyone in the internet who is in a bubble definitely we're in we're in such a more accepting culture of games and and gaming in general that like pretty much every young person these days there's exceptions but everyone everyone plays modern warfare Warzone, everyone plays Fortnite everyone plays something yeah. sims um candy crush uh uh yeah, stardew like valley everyone, just, there's one yeah. game but animal crossing is a big one um mm-hmm. somebody's somebody's in it uh yeah. at some stage at least if you're under 30 or so yeah. um yeah i don't know it, it's that's definitely a topic it's, it's that hard could, to compete could,
1: with that level of yeah. Yeah, connection for sure dude i would love to to come back on yeah, maybe we'll talk about we, that. We <laughs> told this out pretty quick. <laughs>
0: um, okay, so let's let's wrap things up. I wanted to thank Spooks again. Uh, such a ridiculously good guest. Probably one of the most enjoyable people I've had on just to talk hey. to. Um, I always struggle so with much, the man. the two person guests, just because or the two person shows, just because it's like it's kind of hard to sometimes it's hard to fill yeah. time in a two person show. But Absolutely.
1: Obviously, that wasn't an issue for this one. <laughs> No man, that was. This is really fun. I'm super happy to have me on. Thank you. Uh, if me. if you want to check out
0: Spooks's stuff, um, he recently rebranded his Twitter He's at Spooks X Spooked JK. It's on the stream right now. Yeah. Uh, follow him there That's for me. all his stuff. He's got a YouTube channel, but I don't think it's reactive. Twitch. It's it's not. Sh-
1: maybe in the future, you know. Yeah. We talk. Maybe about maybe it. you'll see Could him back.
0: Dr- driving on the uh, the f1 track see me, in the
1: future yeah man i'm gonna be a, a future virtual f1 star so be on the lookout for that <laughs> you will see me competing in virtual races in 2021 yeah That's so probably the, the best the way the to stream. keep up
0: the best way to keep up
1: smooth is check out his twitter he'll yes
0: he'll keep you apprised if, if you want to that that him. that is
1: the best way to reach me is my twitter
0: yeah um and I'll, of course so much again, man. If you like the show, if you like the podcast, check us out on we do this live on YouTube, uh, usually every Wednesday, but sometimes that changes. I'll talk about that more in a second. Um, We do it live on the show at twitch.tv slash Nighthawk20,000 every Wednesday. Uh, If you can't catch it live, you can always watch the video on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Nighthawk20,000. I'll be uploading highlight clips of each episode for easy sharing, like 10 to 20 minute clips. So if you don't want to watch the whole thing or you don't want to share the whole thing, you can share those for a friend. For an example, one of the ones from this episode will probably be where me and Spooks talked about um, how to like get into editing when you're first starting. Um, And if if you can't watch the show live or you can't watch it on YouTube, um, always watch it on spot or listen to it on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts. It's on all those platforms, so listen to those. Give us a follow and a rating if you want; helps the show out. And uh, share it with your friends if you want. And as always, thank you to every single one of you who keeps watching and keeps listening uh, every week. I appreciate you guys so much. So much. Have a lovely evening.